1: Use the promo code Big
0: Blue Wire.
2: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Delato, and we will get to tonight's offensive film breakdown from the Giants' Week 10 win over the Houston Texans. But before we do that, we certainly need to start with the state of the Giants right now in relation to the standings after the Eagles were just knocked off by the Washington commanders tonight in a game that looks eerily similar, at least from a standpoint of game planning to what the giants have been doing to beat teams this year. As far as what Washington did, they wanted to control the clock. They did control the clock. They wanted to kill the kill the Eagles in time possession. They did. They wanted to win up front with a physical nature. They did. They wanted to use extra blockers to help their run game and to keep the, uh, you know, chains moving in the clock room. They did. And they won this game. And now as we stand today, Nick, it's absolutely insane to think about, but the Giants are not only one game out of first place in the NFC East. Dude, they're one game out of the number one seed and a bye in the playoffs. And it's week 11 now. We've turned the page to week 11. Like, this is not week four. And we're like, you know what? The Giants are one game out of the one seed in week four. They're the three and one. And there's a four and zero team. And we're close. No, no, This is a more than half the season has been played already. More than half these games are already over with the Giants at seven and two in nine games. And they're just one game back from the number one seed in the NFC. And... They literally get to play all of the teams ahead of them right now. They have two games against the Eagles. They're one team ahead of them. One game against the Vikings. And theoretically speaking, if they win those games, or if they win two of those three, let's say, or all three, they're going to get the number one seed as long as they can take care of They have a lot of tough games. They got Dallas, too. But the crazy thing to me is not only are they one game out of the number one seed and 10 months ago, we were looking at this team literally kneeling down basically on third and long instead of just to punt from a better position or like victory formation on third and long to get a better punt. Now, 10 months later or fewer than 10 months, this is a team competing for the number one seed in the conference and makes no sense. It's absolutely absurd. And the best part about it is during the 2016 season, the last time they made the playoffs, Knicks. It was great. They had that week 14 game against Dallas, but in that week 14 game, there were two things working. One, It was their only game really during that stretch run where it had the playoff feel. And that's what you want. You go into the game and people are talking, this is like a playoff game. And it has that feel. The atmosphere in the stadium is there depending on if they're home or away. But in that game, despite the giants winning that game, they still didn't win the division. It was like the division was kind of already out of place at that point. Dallas had it wrapped up in more ways than not, not fully, but basically at that point it was more that it was only a long shot. This is going to be real deal, not long shot. Like they win these Eagles games two if they went if they sweep somehow or if they split and then beat the vikings in minnesota they could be looking at the number one seed potentially or the number two seed and so that's in play right now and i just i just can't believe we're at this point now in week 11 it's just crazy dude
1: the new york giants they control their own destiny And what have new york giant fans have said basically for the last half decade it's like dude i just want to play meaningful games in november i don't want to be out of it by november right now it is mid-november it is November 14th, Monday night, Philadelphia Eagles just lost to Washington and the New York Giants have a feasible, a realistic, doesn't mean it's going to happen, but a feasible shot at not only winning the NFC East, but actually earning the number one seed. Now, a lot of things still need to happen. There's still a lot of football to be played, but talk about A stark contrast from where this team was last year, where the perception of this team was at the beginning of the season and where we are just a few short months later, man. So much can happen in that amount of time in the NFL world. And I'm just so happy that Brian Dable is leading this ship.
2: Yeah, and this is not us sitting here and saying they're going to go ahead and do all these things like beat the Vikings in Minnesota really hard place to play sweep or split with the Eagles and take care of the commanders, but it's at least in play it's at least a possibility it's at least something coach Dable can be like to his locker room. Look at the position we're in look at what we've worked for look at what we've come together as a team to create. We've created a situation where we can win this game against the Eagles and it means something we can win this game against the Vikings and it means something big and these are teams that we're going to play again potentially in the postseason, but Both the Eagles and Vikings are well on their way to the postseason. The Giants, if they win against Detroit, according to like, you know, 836 or whatever that predictive measure is, have like a 93% chance to make the playoffs at least if they win against Detroit and go to eight and two. So, like, we're talking about teams are going to see again in the future. And it's just it's it's just crazy that they did this in one year. Like, people may not like the the style points. Right. Like, that's what we're going to talk about today. We can dive into the film now unless you have anything else on kind of the state of where they're at in the standings. But. My biggest takeaway from watching the film, Nick, as we dive deeper into this soon, why we'll throw up the plays and go over them and everything we normally do. But some Giants fans came away from this game being like, I want the style points. They didn't say that exactly, but they're like, why didn't we throw more? When we threw, great things happen. Why are we not throwing the ball football more? But there just is nothing to gain from beating the Texans by 24 points versus beating them by 11. You gain nothing. It doesn't help you in the standing. It doesn't help your team get better overall, in my opinion. All it does is help the media perception of you. And honestly, to be fair, the fan perception, right? If we beat a team by 35, we're feeling a lot better about the Giants than if they beat them by 30. That's just human nature. But in the end, Brian Dable knows it doesn't do anything for them actually in the long run for what they're trying to accomplish. The goal of making the playoffs, advancing into a super, and winning a Super Bowl. And so instead, he came out with a Parcelsian game plan. It was very Belichick Parcells. It was kind of like not, not the same because they weren't trying to keep the ball away from a Buffalo Bills offense. But similar to that Bills Super Bowl where they wanted to do- dominate time of possession, knowing full well going into this game that they were going to run the football. They were going to show run to the Texans by using these crazy looks with like extra offensive linemen. They knew the Texans knew the Giants wanted to run the ball. And they said, I don't care that, you know, we're going to run the ball. We're going to do it anyway because we can And they knew they could win the line of scrimmage on offense against that Texans front from a run defense standpoint. They knew they could win the line of scrimmage on defense against Damian Pierce in that Texans run game. And they knew if they didn't turn the ball over with that recipe, win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, control the clock, win time possession, they would win this football game. And in the process, instead of going for the style points, throwing the football early and often, they minimize the variance. When you throw the football more often, obviously, you know, Nick and I, and myself, especially, I'm a big proponent. Of you got to throw the ball to consistently win Super Bowls. I still believe that. But when you're playing the Houston Texans, a team of the worst run defense or second worst run defense, whatever it is in the NFL, you don't need the style points. You don't need to throw the football. Don't risk getting a ball tipped at the line of scrimmage and then intercepted. Don't risk a play taking a little too long to develop in the route. Oh, next second, the quarterbacks hit fumble recovery, touchdown for the Texans. defense. don't put any of those plays at risk. Just run the football, win the line of scrimmage. And good things will happen. And that's exactly what happened in this game. And we're going to see it on film. It's not going to be the most fun film we've ever watched with you guys. It's the furthest thing from it. It's just run, 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 run. But it was the exact right game plan to minimize the risk and give yourself the best chance to win this specific game, in my mind. And we also thought, Dan, like maybe the Giants were running the football so much because
1: Lovey Smith was in his too high shell the entire game. That wasn't the case. The Texans came out cover 2 11.9% of the time they were in middle of the field closed cover three cover one the majority of the game and the Giants despite that still ran the football and ran the football well you're right how many times did we see eight offensive linemen seven offensive linemen out there just big tight end packages for the New York Giants just saying we are going to run the football you cannot stop us and the Giants did it in a variety of different ways they had you know counter they had the double pullers that they like to do They also ran a wipe type of technique, which is essentially a technique where the Texans like to align in the four down front, right? They like to align an over front. So that means to the weak side, there is going to be a one technique to the strong side. There's going to be a three technique. So the wipe technique, you just use that guard to block down on the one technique. You pull your center around it. Kind of acts like a pin pull type of technique, but it's an outside zone. Everybody else is still stepping in their zone methods, just stepping towards the play side. So that was a technique that we saw a little bit in the beginning of the season. We saw it a lot in this game. We'll go over all of that. So they had a varied type of rushing attack, but at the end of the day, it was, we are more physical than you when we are going to beat you in the style that we want to beat you today. And Houston could not overcome that because as you said, Dan, the Houston Texans are dead last in the league in terms of allowing yards on the ground. Saquon Barkley feasted, and I'm curious to see actually what we will see against Detroit next week. I'm not sure. And we'll go over that on a future podcast, but I don't know if that same, this t- same type of style will work against that team.
2: Yeah, you're right. That could be a total. And I think that could be a totally different game plan, right? I don't think this is necessarily a sign of what's to come. They even asked Brian Dable in his post game press or maybe it was the Monday conference call, whatever it was today or yesterday. I can't remember you know, about that specifically. He's like, no, it's going to change week to week. Like, just because we, we are not this team now. We are not a team. Look, in this game, Saquon Barkley had 35 carries, Nick. That was the most carries by a Giants running back in a single game since december 5th 1999 when joe montgomery had 38 carries according to michael eisen of the giants that's just a crazy number that you can date back 22 years of giants football and there hasn't been a running back at that amount of carries in a single game and that was the game plan like you said for this one specifically but one thing you mentioned that really stood out to me nick and we'll go over it as we look at the film but every single week you talked about that interesting you know new blocking. They're using the wipe. They're using, I mean, it looks like zone, but it also has a little bit of power gap element mixed in. Cool. But guess what? It's every week now. It feels like, man, we're talking about a new wrinkle in the run game installed by Mike Kafka, whether it means different personnel packages, different blocking, there's something different about this run game. It's not like they're just doing the Pat Shermer and they're just sitting there and running inside zone every play. They're not even really doing the Kyle Shannon. To be fair, Kyle Shannon does vary his run game a lot. I even see him using some polars and doing some interesting things, but it is a lot of zone. And it's not that kind of run game not the Kubiak. It's a very varied run game. There is a lot of power gap, which I love because this is what we were supposed to get under Garrett and just never work for whatever reason. But now there is mostly that. And it's a lot of that. And there's zone two. And there's all these different elements and, and, and different concepts mixed in. So I think that keeps the defense off guard. I think it keeps your rushing attack varied. I think it gives you a better chance of success.
1: It definitely gives you a better chance of success. And the wipe technique, we've seen that earlier in the season, but one of the adjustments that I loved, and it happened on the first play of the game, so we'll get into it here in just a second, was aligning Nick Gates as the sniffer and then using him to essentially wham the unblocked interior defensive lineman. Wham blocks are essentially those smaller offensive players, right? Those H-backs, those sniffers who are going to throw that block on an unblocked player initially from the interior defensive line. Well, now it's not necessarily a smaller defender. It's Nick freaking Gates coming at you. And that's going to be a lot of force that allows your other linemen to easily climb and take those second level defenders and spring long runs. We've talked about how Mike Kafka has slowly ingratiated trap and wham into his offense. And we
2: saw that on the first play of the game. And I absolutely loved it. Yep. And we're going to we're going to get into all that right now, Nick. But anything that you anything else you wanted to add about just something different you might have thought about or anything of that nature from watching this game?
1: No, not necessarily. I mean, we're going to go through all the plays and
2: I'll have a lot of my thoughts throughout the entire podcast. And so on this first drive, we get a 10 play 68 yard touchdown drive from the Giants, which was great to see because one, the Giants have struggled at times to score on their opening drives, but two, they incorporated tempo into the offense on this drive. And that's something you can do when you're at home. It's quieter on offense. You can get the calls in. And I love that they use tempo in this game more often and as a way to really give them an advantage on offense. And you saw that throughout this entire first drive.
1: And here we go. This is the first play that we were just referencing. Nick Gates has the sniffer. Big number 65. You can see how Jalen Petrie just followed him across the formation. That was something else that we saw that was consistent from what Seattle did. They just paid heavy attention. Anytime the Giants use this sniffer, which they do a lot in the run game, the opposing defense was dialed in on that sniffer. So that's something that the Giants, I think, take advantage of a little bit later in the game, which we'll go over. But here's the first play. Nick Gates, boom. Trap block right there. Wham block, if you want to call it that, even though it's a bigger defender. The center and the guard both ignore that one technique. They allow the one technique to come in, and then he just gets picked up by Nick Gates. And now look, Mark Lewinsky, he's up on that play side linebacker. So you have more bodies there. Now the play side linebacker makes a really good play on Saquon Barkley right here. And I wish Darius Slayton kind of adjusted his path and just helped Mark Lewinsky here, because that would have sprung a much longer run. But he followed Jalen Petrie around. But this is just one of those little wrinkles, having a 300-pound offensive line (laughs) here, Eligible receiver H back in that situation.
2: And when Nick Gates makes contact there, as you can see, 93 just get boom, flip back. I o- almost envision my head him going wham into the guy, like as he just yeah. wham. that absolute blow. You can yeah. watch the recoil from that Texans defensive lineman. That's a nose tackle getting absolutely whammed backward and off the spot by Nick Gates.
1: Three yard gain to set up the second and seven right here, where again you have
2: six offensive linemen. This is the
1: wipe technique. That I was just talking about. If you look to the right of the screen, you see the strong side of the formation where Nick Gates is to the field side, but the Giants are going to run weak side against the four down front, which is an over front. You could see how the defensive tackle is in a four-eye spot, so a little bit outside of the three-technique spot because Nick Gates is in that area as well. But the one technique to the weak side is the player that's going to get wiped by Mark Lewinsky who's going to block down. John Feliciano is going to pull around, and it kind of acts as a pinball concept. But if you look on the screen, everybody's and play side. This is essentially just an outside zone type of blocking scheme other than that wipe technique adjustment that I went over at the top of the show.
2: Yep, and that's a great way that you can see the, the hole is cleared for the little five-yard gain to set up this easy third and two conversion for the Giants where they run a play that they've run earlier this year. We'll get to it in a moment here to free up Wondell Robinson.
1: Look up at number 75. Josh Azudu is the backside guard. So he's the guard to the strong side. Look just how quickly he climbs and gets up to the second level. I just love this kid's movement skills, man. I know yep. we've talked a lot about Josh Zudu, his talent, his, his foot quickness, and we, we're a little frustrated by some of the inconsistencies, albeit they are understandable, but just look how quick he covers this ground to locate that linebacker. And he doesn't do the best job finishing the block off, but those movement skills cannot be taught, Dan.
2: Yeah. He's like the anti and uh, I'm sorry, the anti Will Hernandez when it comes to functional movement skills in space. Remember <laughs> Will Hernandez was basically like the most boxy looking athlete. It was so hard to understand why he was so unable to be a pulling lineman and effective in at in a pulling role. I mean, and look, he had other issues. Will Hernandez, he couldn't pick up stunts, but in space, he just looked boxy and it's the total opposite with Azudu. He looks smooth. Like you said, it's just, def- it's the foot agility, quickness and speed. It's all three of those factors with the footwork that really stand out for him. And then, and you would, In addition to all that, you have power. This is not going to be the only time we see a Zudu on this tape climb to the second level and take out a second level defender. The ability to climb to the second level is what is important to focus on here, and I think it shows his upside long-term in that guard position sets up a
1: third and two, two by two reduced stack right here. And this is where you can use Kenny Galladay's set because apparently catching the football is not necessarily his forte at this juncture of his career. So you have Kenny Galladay as the number one receiver in the two by two stack. Everything is reduced. Everything is inside the numbers. Wondell Robinson is the number two receiver on the line of scrimmage right next to Kenny Galladay. So you just use Kenny Galladay to essentially create a legal quote unquote type of pick on Wandell Robinson's defender who just releases right out into the flat and presents himself to Daniel Jones, who goes into the mesh point and then kind of flows towards Wandell Robinson. This is easy pitch and catch type of stuff against man coverage. And Kenny Galladay does a good job in these type of situations because he's a big body and he doesn't really run fast. So he gets in the player's way for an extended period of time.
2: <laughs> yeah, just a natural pick. And that's, this is a good, you know, a lot of good, a lot of teams are using this. It's a really easy way to pick up yards, especially on third down, especially have a quarterback who can deliver the ball rolling to his opposite shoulder there. And he can, and Jones puts a good ball on Robinson, puts it in a spot that allows Robinson to catch the football, flip his body and turn up the field for a few more yards. after the catch.
1: And I also like the other little wrinkle to this play call. It's what happens with the receiver at the top of the screen, the top of the screen stack, which is the, the boundary stack, Isaiah Hodgins. Instead of doing some sort of route towards that side, if the Wandale Robinson play was covered, say if the Texans were in a banjo type of coverage and they switched. Then you also have Isaiah Hodgins running a slide basically right underneath Daniel Jones, which could have possibly presented a feasible target for him on this third and two, but that was not necessary. But I like the fact that it was available if it was needed.
2: Yeah, it's a great call because it's a third and two. They only need two yards to convert. If you do look for Robinson there, it's covered. Flip your hips back to the right. You can dump it there to Hodgins and he'll probably pick up two yards. You would imagine. Yep. Sets up a first and 10. This is a staple play. It's not a staple play. It's one I hope the Giants use more. I've seen them use at times. It's just a PA boot and then throw right away to Saquon Barkley. It's, to me, just a good way to get the ball in Saquon Barkley's hands in space, which is something in general I am for. Who's not for that at this
1: point? And he's not necessarily being used all that often in the passing game. But again... The Giants dropped back 17 times in this game. So that's one reason why we're not seeing that much, especially when you were riding this dude and he had 35 carries. But look at this Texans box. Texans come out, four guys on the line of scrimmage. You have arguably five guys who are close to the box. Two guys, I think, are technically outside of it. But this is a loaded box right here. Look how close, Nick,
2: that last line of defense safety is to the actual line of scrimmage, dude. He is, what, not even 10 yards aligned behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, if you see that, this was the, I think I texted you after this play when it was live. I was like, dude, if we keep seeing this look, we have to take a deep shot against that type of look. Yeah, point.
1: this this is a, a very condensed type of look. It's at this point, we're only what, four plays, this is the fourth play of the game where the Houston Texans are like, we're going to stop this run because it's it's going to be an issue. And it was a problem for them the entire game. And this just ends up going for eight yards on this little play action boot on first and 10 to set up the second and two.
2: Yeah, a little pin pull here with the tackle in the center doesn't work. Glowinski kind of, uh, maybe the guy at fault here. I'm curious to get your take on this, Nick, just a one yard gain though for the giants.
1: Yeah. Glowinski doesn't necessarily pick up that backside, the weak side linebacker, because this is a field side, strong side pin pull concept. And this is a very common. Formation that the giants used where they would reduce two wide receivers. And this one is Hodgins and Wandell Robinson right next to the tight end. So you have three eligible receivers on that side. And I believe there's a backside receiver. On the other side. So, this is something that the Giants kind of rolled out with single back, not shotgun. So, Daniel Jones just pitches the ball to Saquon Barkley, Josh Azudu pins, John Feliciano pulls, and Mark Lewinsky just kind of over pursues the weak side linebacker and doesn't pick him up. He ends up making the tackle on this play for, I think it was a one yard gain.
2: One yard gain sets up a third and one situation where the Giants are able to use a little bit of a counter run. Again, this is one of the interesting times I talked about wrinkles in the run game. Eight offensive linemen on the field for one play. You see over there, big 74, Matt Parrott. He had a couple snaps in this game, and I actually liked how he looked moving. I hope he's one of those guys that can potentially get rejuvenated by this coaching staff. But they've got eight offensive linemen on the field. Like I said earlier, they are literally telling the Texans, we are running the football, and we know you can't stop us. And they are able to pick up two yards, and that's all they need for the first down.
1: And look at the uh, motion by Nick Gates, who is tight end one, all pro tight end as the sniffer right here. He motions right before the snap. Jalen Petrie follows him. And then this is just a counter run where the backside guard Mark Lewinsky ends up pulling towards the play side. Jack Anderson, number 77, who is outside of Andrew Thomas playing the big tight end role, does a pretty good job against Jerry Hughes here, pinning him. And then Lewinsky kind of comes and finishes him off. I don't mind seeing eight offensive linemen out there, if they're going to block like this, and this isn't a huge gain or anything like that, but you can tell that these guys are really passionate every time they take the field and they're asked to block in this big personnel package that goes out there, man, how much weight is out there right now, man? How many 300 pound guys are out on the football field? Jack Anderson, Andrew Thomas, Josh Azudu, John Feliciano, Mark. We have over
2: 2,500 pounds of weight out there at this, on this play. Like it's straight up 25 pounds of weight. Tyree Phillips, Matt Parrott, more State than, than 2,500 because there's some 320s in there. There's some 330s like who? how big is Tyree Phillips? Uh, he's a big guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. Like it's insane. They went with an eight offensive lineman look and said, F it. You're not stopping us uh, here. Then after the first down, we're going to get a play that just doesn't work. Uh, nice stop by the Texans here for two yards. They look at, look at these Texans linebackers. They yeah, like so aggressive.
1: We talk about Madden when you commit to the run. This is full Lovey Smith just committing to the run. They they penetrate right at the snap. There, everybody's at the line of scrimmage. Lawrence Cager just gets bullied right back into Saquon Barkley, and Saquon Barkley gets like lifted off the ground here. And this is a minus two yard run because Houston is just anticipating the run. They're saying, "Look, we're
2: not gonna, we're not, we're not about this right now." But you know, and you'll see later in the game that some of these two, both two of these big play action shots the Giants had in the past game. We're in a lot of ways set up by just how aggressive the Texans were in the run game on both of those plays that I'm referencing and we'll get to them. The the second level guys, those Texans linebackers just commit so hard to the run and they're so out of depth in pass coverage and it just opens up these massive holes for Slayton twice on deep on on over routes and then obviously the one to Hodgins. It was just right down the seam where the linebackers at that one. They actually it was third and seven. It's not like they bid on play action. They just didn't drop the depth. This is an example though of this. So here's the big Slayton play off the play action. This one I, I had a question for you. I was really weirded out by how the middle of the field safety played this. I just didn't understand why he didn't commit to Slayton's route.
1: I'm not hundred percent certain either. I think Derek Stingley Jr. believed that the safety would commit to this route. So this is the 36 yard gain over the middle of the field to Darius Slayton off the play action. Both the linebackers just penetrate. They go and they go right after Saquon Barkley quickly. They realize that he's not going to run the football because Daniel Jones hits his back foot and there's no one in the middle of the field. Derek Stingley Jr. gives space to Darius Slayton and acts as if he thinks that safety is going to bite down and then Derek Stingley Jr. would replace the safety. But for whatever reason, there is some sort of miscommunication there. No one takes Darius Slayton. Daniel Jones recognized, delivers a good ball to Darius Slayton, who ends up picking up 36 yards on this play. I felt like this was one of those plays where it's like, oh man, the running Attack! This rushing attack is really opening Open that up, up. Yep. The play action game and honestly,
2: word... though. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Honestly, though, like uh, Houston also just played this terribly, though, yes. too, man. Even though they're biting on the run, like even even though they knew that it was a pass, I felt like the linebackers nobody still dropped the depth, and this is a blitz, mind you. But even still, man, nobody on the back end had any sort of communication on what the heck was going on. So I'm glad the Giants were able to take advantage. Did you see Josh Azudu? Josh Azudu loses on this play around the edge, but he kind of goes into full NBA basketball mode and tries to box out block number 91. He's actually holding him. I think that's Roy, uh, uh, Roy Lopez, I think his name is. He's actually holding his his right arm. But he's if you're watching on YouTube, look at number 75, just kind of backpedal okay. and, then, and
2: hold Roy Lopez in place in, 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 bo- in a boxing out manner. You had a question though? Um, well, I didn't have a question. I wanted to say, pause this when Slayton first gets first gets contacted down the field.
1: Okay. We'll do that right here. Also, Cager does sure. a solid
2: job on his block holding. <laughs> he gets whipped Mark around but, up. right here. Slayton first contacted there at the 16 yard line, makes that move to get past the defender. Now run it slips, spins off of that and creates for himself. Another, what gets all the way down to the six. Almost so he 10 for himself almost 10 yards there. First with the move here, that little move, and then another 10 yards created by Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton was absolutely fantastic in this game. If it, When it comes to the separation, when it comes to the yards after the catch, like we see on this one, when it comes to the raw speed and the breakaway ability, I mean, you could talk all day and all, all about how we have the worst receivers in the NFL, the Giants. Darius Slayton is not playing like his name right now. Darius Slayton is playing like one of the better receivers, not obviously a number one, but he's playing like for sure a wide receiver too at this point compared to the rest of the league. I mean, I, I don't, I've seen enough around the NFL from all these other teams receivers, some that don't even have a wide receiver one better than Slayton to know that this dude is creating enough separation on a consistent basis, enough plays post-catch with his breakaway ability to be considered a plus asset right now on this roster.
1: Absolutely, yeah. He's definitely playing really well. Also like the block by Chris Myrick who helps wash the defender down to Tyree Phillips and then picks up a blitzing linebacker. Good uh, good little play there by chris myrick who is filling in for daniel bellinger but that's a huge play to set up a first and goal at the six yard line
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
1: If you like feeling good, give Liquid Death a try. I've tried it, and I got to say, it's refreshing. So go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Please make sure you add the slash bigblue. That would be excellent. Liquid Death, murder your thirst.
2: And then this was the, was this the four yard rush with the, with the penalty or no, this was after that. Cause we, we don't do the penalties on this pod. Uh, right, right. With the, uh, play by play
1: the penalty ends up happening later. This is, this is okay. a legal formation right here, but the illegal formation happens a little bit later to set up first and 11, but this is just a run, a power gap run. I believe this is yeah, a counter run with one polar Josh Azudu and Derek Stingley jr. Just plays it very well to the outside. But if you look, you have a bunch of guys feet getting tangled up, Bunch of Texans end up on the ground right here. Lawrence Cager looks like he just absolutely floors. I think that's Jalen Petrie, but if you look closely, you always got to look at the feet. The feet are the important telltale sign here, and his feet get caught up right there on Chris Myrick. Cager finishes the block, but that's one less defender now to the play side with the pulling Josh Azudu, but, man, 45 and Derek Stingley Jr. both play this well. They stay square to Saquon yeah. Barkley and render like no yardage. By the way, I love that tackle by Derek Stingley Jr. He basically judo chops the stiff arm attempt of Saquon Barkley, forcing oh, Saquon cool. Barkley's
2: momentum down to the ground. That was interesting. I've never seen that type of tackle attempt right there. You're right. He tacks that that stiff arm, and that kind of has Barkley go off balance. That was really interesting. Um, great play by, Tim, by Stingley, too, to, to get contained there as well. So it was just a good play by the Texans going to happen here. So there was the penalty, and now we're setting up a second and nine here. This is the touchdown call out of 12 personnel. You have Cager coming from the backside as like a sniffer type, but he's in the route as a receiver because it's a play-action pass. Daniel Jones with the play-action, roll to his left, flips his hips, gets the ball out there to Cager. And Cager, I thought, does a really good job eliminating this angle. Like, that doesn't seem like a guaranteed touchdown from the point of where he catches that ball and the angle that the defender has on him. He does a good job of kind of tiptoeing his feet to stay inbounds and then reach it just over that pylon.
1: Yeah, Kager has some movement skills. This is a uh, a long, athletic tight end. You can see his stride length, too. He just kind of yes. chews up grass, and Jalen Petrie is just out-leveraged. I'm intrigued here. by
2: him to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, as am I. And I know you have an affinity for tight ends who are not really
2: starting tight ends. I yes. <laughs>
1: Tanner Hudson and he and is players. now
2: taking the he might take the mantle for me for Tanner Hudson on a pure upside basis right now, Nick. Just based on what you said, the stride length and the movement skills, which is what I'm focusing on. I feel like he might be taking the mantle right now as my new tight end crush on the Giants, Lawrence Gager. And I'm excited to see him actually get involved. He actually played the most snaps of any tight end in this game, which was pretty wild.
1: So earlier in this drive, I said that we would we would reflect back on how the Houston Texans were playing. Reflect on what the, I said. Reflect Sorry. on what I said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, Joe Shane. No, it <laughs> turned out that Pat Leonard did get the last laugh because Joe Shane did ultimately trade. I yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, no one likes to talk about that part, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Celebrate your W, Pat Leonard. No, but uh, Jalen Petrie, he's following Lawrence Cager here. Look, look whenever the giants were pulling or doing anything with that sniffer, that H back, they always had somebody in man coverage on him. And you could see how Cager just comes across the formation and Petrie's following him. But look, Cager right here has leverage and Petrie has to cross the face of his entire defense and avoid all of this traffic. And Cager's a really good athlete as we brought up. So I feel like the giants noticed what, The Texans were doing, which was similar to what the Seattle Seahawks were doing back in week eight. So they ran this play action slide right here just bring Cager underneath and throw him the football, and he's going to out leverage Jalen Petrie. He does exactly that, and the Giants end up scoring a touchdown in the red zone, something that they did not do against Seattle too often.
2: And that's not a second and nine in the red zone. Like set, that could be. You need to get a big pickup on this down because otherwise you're setting up for third and long, third and nine in the red zone. That's a, one of the toughest asks in all of football. So really big play here for the Giants.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: But it's great to go up. You know what? What would this Seven be? Nothing.
1: Seven nothing. Yeah, and three and out. Houston had on their first drive, and then the next two
2: drives of Houston also were three and out drives. Unfortunately, the Giants also had one three and out followed by a 30 yard drive and a punt, which we're going to get to now. But on both of those, if you feel like things have gone a little differently, the Giants could have kept those drives going. Um, That was the story for most of their failed drives in this game. So we'll start this second drive, which was a three and out here for the Giants. It starts here with just a one-yard gain, despite the Texans playing from a too high look here. This was a favorable box to run at. The Giants didn't have many favorable boxes to run at in this game. So this is one of the few plays you can chalk up as not-so-great execution by the Giants O-line or maybe just excellent execution by the defenders who were in the box and who weren't up high because even you see a defender at the line of scrimmage right when the snap is called drop. So now you're really taking another guy out of the box too there with that defender, as you can see at the top of your screen, top left, dropping. So. This was kind of just you know, a, a win for the Texans.
1: Also, Andrew Thomas doesn't get the memo on what exactly is going on. There ah. is a miscommunication here with Andrew Thomas. You could see, I think, I'm not 100% certain, but I think Andrew Thomas is supposed to scoop Malik Collins here because Josh Azudu goes and he climbs right up to the second level. And then you have Lawrence Kager who would take on the backside that end man on the line of scrimmage. But it looks like Thomas just knocks Cager off the route or something happens wrong because both those guys are, seem to just cross each other's feet. And then Azudu goes and gets up to the linebacker, but Malik Collins ends up making the tackle because no one blocks him. This could have been a mistake right. by Josh Azudu, the rookie, which is, seems more feasible, but that could have been a mistake by him or he wasn't supposed to climb, but I'm not really a hundred percent certain, but there was definitely some sort of miscommunication on the weak side or I mean the strong side, but it was the non-play side, the back side of the run.
2: Yeah, and you can even see Andrew Thomas and Cage are kind of just blocking no one. Never want to see that when those two guys are just in space with no one in front of them. But leads to a one-yard gain. And so then on second down, they run a little PA boot again to the left here on this one. This is the one where Jones is trying to find someone and ultimately comes across Kenny Galladay. Uh, Some would consider it a drop. I don't consider it a bad throw or a drop. I just consider it a little bit of a missed a missed opportunity, I would say. Can it be caught? Yes. Can it be thrown a little closer to the receiver? Yes. In my mind, the key takeaway, though, for me, Nick, is if you are a, whatever you are, $72 million receiver who's known not known for his speed and separation skills, then you have to make a play like this. Is it a perfect throw? Like I said, no, it's ahead of you, but this is like the type of play he's supposed to make, right? He's supposed to stab that ball and be like, and we're like, whoa. And we like see the replay of it a bunch. We put it on giants, Twitter. Everyone's talking about it. This dude just stabbed it out. It's Kenny Galladay. He's 72 million. This guy's awesome. We signed him for this. He's doing good things for us. Instead. He just doesn't make the plays ever. And that's just been his story of his giants career. Like it's, it's just another missed opportunity. Another missed opportunity is the slogan of Kenny Galladay on the New York Giants,
1: unfortunately. Yep. $72 million, man. Just, I'm wondering, dude. I was actually thinking about this on my walk today. I was like, yeah. is Kenny Galladay going to go down as one of the biggest misses in New York Giants history in terms of free agency? And I don't know if we've really had that conversation, but $72 million and with everything going on, the state of the team last season, and now he gets this fresh slate and he's still pooping his pants. It's not a great situation. Not
2: a good scenario. Yeah. It's a tough debate between him and Nate Solder, right? Nate Solder had 2018, which was a decent year, but I think at the very least, Kenny Galladay's 2020 his last season, 2021 could be compared to what Solder put on the field in 2018. There were some good games, games down the stretch run of 20, uh, was it 2018 when he first signed or not 2018 was so, so there was so was first. 2018. 2018. Yeah, there were some yeah. good games down the stretch of his first 2018, specifically in the run blocking department. I remember the Giants run game came together. He was a big part of that. But the same could be said about Galladay at times earlier last season, the Saints game, things of that nature. So I don't think that that stands him out too much. And then, yeah, he was playing more at the end. So with Galladay, he's not even playing, right? You can't even, this guy's benched. Like, it sounds like you're paying him and you can't even get him on the field. Sold or you paid, and he was on the field, but he was also then just making egregious mistakes and just awful for most of his time. So it's a really good debate between Solder and Galladay. But the one thing that's not up for debate is the person who signed those, both of those worst contracts in Giants history. That's one person. And they, he was here for four, three years too long.
1: Who was that again? Dan? <laughs> we won't do that right now. Let's get back to the tape. All right. And this sets up a third nine where you have the Texans showing a defense that looks like Wink Martindale is the coordinator, just loading up the line of scrimmage. But, they just drop everybody basically into coverage, ends up being a too high. Looks like cover two from this from this vantage point. And what happens? Daniel Jones just doesn't really love what he sees. We'll see it from the sideline angle. Takes
2: off, picks up five yards with his legs, and the Giants are forced to punt the football. And we'll see an example later in the game where that actually does work because the because Jones uses pre-snap motion before the snap will Robinson confirms that it's man coverage and then knows that he can just take that B gap against zone, a zone type look. And it looks, this is like a zone, right? This was half cover too. Yeah. Yeah. It's got it. Okay. Against this type of look, it's harder to take the B gap or the A gap or whatever it may be and take the run. So yeah, there's no solutions. I don't really mind Jones decision. There's just nowhere to go with the football. He There's really no window here. Uh Maybe at the top of the screen, you consider, I was asking like, should he fire to Slayton in that window right there, right around the 40 yard line? What your thoughts are on that? But he's already running. Yeah, he's already running by that point A. You'd have to throw it with anticipation. But either way, there is a second-level defender in that zone who I think if Jones' eyes move in that direction could get his hand in. So
1: there's really just nothing. The Giants use this formation a lot when they were traditionally throwing the football. It's a three by one set where the tight end to the one receiver side is reduced only about like three yards outside of the offensive tackle. Wondell Robinson, typically that number three with Saquon Barkley offset to that tight end side. This was a very common formation they ran and against cover two teams. They ran a lot of these deep curl routes like they're doing right here. Deep curl routes at the sticks kind of looks like something Jason Garrett would call. But as we saw. With Darius Slayton, I believe it was against Seattle. The Giants had a lot of success with this type of route whenever Seattle went into cover two. So the Giants were trying to attack this cover two defense by basically running these deep curls and relying on the receiver's ability to use their spatial awareness to find the void in the zone coverage. And it happened a couple of times throughout this game successfully. And you can see this is what the game plan was on this play as Lawrence Cager, Wando Robinson, and Darius Slayton all sit right behind the sticks a lot of attention paid to Wandell Robinson, as you can see over the middle of the field, which has been consistent over the last two games. But Jones decides to run the football. And I don't really hate that, to be honest, because those guys who are crowding yeah. the line of scrimmage bail so hard. Jones notices that. Look how hard all those guys bail. Why not right. try to recoup that ground by using your legs,
2: which is a really good play by 53 to come off this pass rush and make the tackle on Jones. And if 75 holds the block, like there is a better lane for Jones to run as well. if Azudu does hold his yes. block because it ultimately has to alter his running path. To the right, and that screws him up because Zudo, the defender, comes off a Zudo. So I like the decision by Jones. If it's executed a little better, he has a chance to make it. Also, I like that they're using, like, some like look, we don't want to go too Garrett crazy, but a deep curl against this coverage is, like, a, a set of deep curls against this coverage. It's fine to try sticks-type stuff against this coverage. Why? Like, you can't use—it's zone. You can't play mesh against zones. Mesh is a, is a man-beater. Everybody loves mesh. They want to use mesh on all these third downs. Sure, if you get man coverage, fine, but you're getting zone coverage here. So I, I, I'm with you. I kind of like the call by Kafka, and, and I like decision by Jones. Again, if that running lane isn't altered by Zudu kind of giving up on his block or whatever you want to call that, There's a chance.
1: It's funny you brought up Mesh. There was an adjustment to the mesh play that Brian Dable and Mike Kafka run so much where it's the mesh with the wheel with the seven route. Mm -hmm. And it was an adjustment in this game where it was just instead of actually running the mesh, it wasn't even we're going to drag and curl. We're just going to stop and curl and sit in the voided area. I have it somewhere in the notes. We'll watch it eventually. But I just thought because you brought it up, it was funny because I remember being like, oh, nice little adjustment against zone coverage where they didn't even have to recognize it during the play. It was called pre-snap. At least that's what it looked like.
2: me you gotta like that okay we move on after that the Giants punt that's a three and out and then they go on a seven play 30 yard drive that ultimately ends in a punt after I believe this was the drive let me just make sure before I say something stupid but I believe this was the drive with the stupid fourth and one false start by Jack Anderson okay so that's a kill I mean look they're at the Houston 36 they end up not even getting a field goal out of that they end up punting At the very least, I mean, we saw the balls on Dable to go for it there. I like that he was aggressive in that. Um, But, you know, that's one of their missed opportunities in this game. But this play starts with, uh, you know, a little bit of a play PA boot. But the Texans are ready for it. They're there. They get in Daniel Jones's throwing lane, alter it, and it's an incompletion.
1: Yeah, well, he hits Chris Myrick, but Chris Myrick just kind of bobbles the ball, can't really hold on to it. He wasn't going to get anywhere. Yeah, you don't even want
2: him catching that.
1: Yeah, the Texans were all over this play, and it just ends up being kind of a wasted play to set up a second and 10 where the Giants go back to the play action pass
2: and hit Isaiah Hodgins with his first catch as a New York Giant for 15 yards. Yeah, and this is a uh, there's a lot of things to like about the uh, from a giant standpoint. on this play. One, this is a nice I, I, I like the play design against this cover three look from the Texans. I think there are opportunities to either do what Daniel Jones did, which is take the easier completion, which is also a good completion because it gets a first down and a 15 yard chunk to Isaiah Hutchins. Or if he wants to get super aggressive, I think he can try that deep over route and just, you know, lead it toward the sideline at, basically try to hit me. I would say around like the 45, the opponent's 45, lead it toward there. It's an aggressive throw. It's a riskier throw, but it's definitely a possibility, but I do like the decision he ultimately made. And then the last thing I really like is Jones did a great job and we've seen this throughout his career. It was apparent early on in his 2019 rookie season, but I thought he did a great job of staying poised within the pocket, understanding, look, I'm going to take a big hit to deliver this ball. And I'll do it anyway. I'll stand in there. I won't throw off my back foot. I won't alter my, you know, throw. I won't, I have my pass lane. I won't alter my throw arm angle just because of the pressure. And he still throws over the top, takes the hit, and it's a big hit and delivers the football. Yeah,
1: it's basically just a double slant. Essentially, one kind of ends up being an over route. Hodgins is the recipient here, but he initially goes to block. If you watch this play, he's throwing a block. He's throwing a block, selling that play action. And then he's releasing and he does a good job working through. I think that's Jalen Petrie and Jones man throws this with anticipation. I think you're right. Yeah. The, the, the best case scenario is maybe finding Wandale Robinson deep because Wandale Robinson gets isolated against a linebacker running into space with Desmond King cleared out by Kenny Galladay's deep vertical route. Regardless of that fact, I'm not saying that to to say Jones did anything wrong. I actually like this decision by Jones as well here because you can see Jones looking. He sees the safety. And right here, he sees Jalen Petrie with his back turned, scrambling to get into position. And he knows there's going to be a throwing window over the middle of the field because Christian Kirksey, the linebacker, is just bailing to catch up to Wandale Robinson. So he sees the window and he throws the football right as Isaiah Hodgins is going to pass through right into that window, he takes a hit almost simultaneously too. So this is very good timing right here
2: by Daniel Jones to deliver a nice strike to Isaiah Hodgins to move the chains. Yeah. And you could even see it. The window is small. He delivers that football. The receiver puts two hands on the football. And then after he puts two hands on the football, he's immediately contacted by the other defender. So one thing I really like about Jones on this play, about the throw by Jones on this play is that he led a receiver to a spot. He didn't throw the ball to an open receiver. He threw the ball to a spot. And that's what all the really, really, when you see consistent, great quarterback play, a lot of it is that anticipation, that ability to throw to spots, have the confidence to throw to spots and know, and, and then actually to complete the passes when you're throwing to spots
1: also let's look at Wando Robinson and Daniel Jones playing some trickery Are these guys play poker man they might be poker players because watch how they point at Jalen Petrie Wando Robinson points at Jalen Petrie right there Ron or uh, Daniel Jones does. And then Wanda Robinson follows and then Wanda Robinson watches route. He goes like he's going to block Jalen Petrie, really selling like this is going to be a run off the play action. You look at the line of scrimmage. You have a double team set with the guard in the center. You have a double team set with Tyree Phillips and Glowinski, So it really looks like a running play. And then Wanda Robinson just bends right around Petrie and explodes into space. This is another reason why the Giants were having so much success. Yep running the football and then passing the football off the play action is because they sell it so well. And that's a a gift and a, and a skill in
2: its own right. Yeah. I mentioned it earlier and you brought it up as well. There are plays. This is another example. We talked about the one earlier to Slayton where the play action sells the pass and creates the passing lane because this window is created by that second level's aggressiveness toward the run. Uh, One final thing, go back to the sideline view. This is such a minor thing, but I am curious about it. It's actually not the worst vertical route by Kenny Galladay. I hate to admit it, but I don't it's hate Galladay. Arms. <laughs> like the stride length. He has a, sh- like, you're not going to take that shot, but he has the, he has a sh- a, an opportunity. This is what he was supposed to do, right? If he has that, even that amount of separation as he breaks back toward the post, like he's supposed to be the guy that you can throw that deep post just up, right? Deep and up. And then he just jumps and high points it. It's not what he's doing with the Giants, but uh, it was just interesting to see. Like, he kind of has a little bit of separation on that post.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a little bit of separation, but for what he is, is. right? It's not like a lot of like that release is kind of lumbering and just like, oh, it's a lumbering (laughs) release. The the release on
2: the line of scrimmage isn't great. I just think at the top of the stem, when he gets into the post, it's not terrible.
1: I think that's right. No, I think you're right. And how he uses his hand to kind of fend yep. off from the contact of King. But right here, once he releases off the line of scrimmage, he ducks his head trying to sell that vertical set, stem. Well, he doesn't need to sell it because he is running it. It's just, it looks pretty freaking slow to me. It does. Until it's a long this point.
2: The fire off the line of scrimmage is certainly not there. That was evident on his drop. I mean, that's gone. I think that might be just gone from his athletic profile. But down the field. I, I Some, you know, there is something to me that like he was supposed to be this guy who high points catches in those types of situations on those types of posts. But I guess that's just gone. I think he's just nothing at this point for the giants, unfortunately.
1: So the giants are having some success moving the ball through the air. So now you see pre-snap, at least the Texans line in a too high type of defense, but Petrie, I believe that is just very aggressive, and I'm sure he's coached to do this, to come downhill whenever the Giants might be running the football. So he just adds another body into the box. This ends up being a four-yard run where the linebackers play really well. We'll see it on the end zone copy on this first and
2: 10 after the 15-yard strike to Hodgins. And as you can see, look at how the safeties rotate post snap, right? I mean, like this is just like you said, Petrie rotates down; they rotate into that one high middle of field close. There wasn't everyone came into this game, and I thought it was such an astute point you made earlier, Nick. Everyone came into this game thinking, "Fluffy Smith, what does that mean? A ton of cover two, too high." No one's playing the Giants too high right now. Like it doesn't. You can be Fluffy Smith, the most heavy user of cover two and two high safeties, and you're not going to play the Giants too high. No one is playing them like this until they give them a reason to play them too high. And right now they don't need to, they're winning games without giving teams a reason to play safeties back there. Right. And to give, have safeties respect the pass game. But I just, I don't think there's going to be many teams we see this season on defense that are playing a ton of like too high looks against this type of team. The giants are, no, because
1: the Giants aren't throwing the football deep. So why are you going to yep. allocate your resources deep? Right. You need to stop the run. You need to shut the run down, which will affect the play-action passing attack. That's what every team
2: is trying to do against this New York Giants offense at this point. Yep. Yeah, even, even the Lovey Smith Texans. But anyway, we set up this second and six play. This is a six-yard run here for Saquon Barkley. A nice little outside run. Thought it was blocked up pretty well. I thought Saquon did a good job of processing it, finding the right time to cut back and move his momentum forward to give himself an opportunity to pick up that extra two yards for the first.
1: And look, you have another weak side run here. You have the tight end Chris Myrick off the line of scrimmage with the two tight ends just outside of him. And you're going to run to the weak side of that. The ball is in the middle of the field. So you have Mark Lewinsky take on that one technique. And then you also see, man, Mark Kalinski drives this dude backwards. And then John Feliciano ends up kind of finishing this playoff. This is a second and six run that goes for six yards. And I feel like the weak side blocking for the New York Giants did pretty well in this game. And yeah. This is one of those plays that's a good indicator of it because the guys who are making the tackles here aren't weak side defenders. They, these are strong side defenders coming in pursuit, making all of these tackles from the
2: back side of the play because the blocking to the weak side for the Giants has been pretty superior. Yeah, 100%. And Glensky is somebody you mentioned. I thought Glensky had a, be- a nice bounce back game for him. I thought he had one of his better games as far as his Giants career goes. It's just film alone. Um, and then, look, it's always going to help a player like Glinski if you have a game plan like this where you're running the ball almost every snap. Hell, every single offensive lineman, even Andrew Thomas, is going to benefit from a run-heavy uh, offensive game plan. You ask any offensive lineman what he wants to do, he'll say, I want to run block 100% of the snaps. They are, would 70 times rather run block than pass block. But regardless, gluinski had a good game for the Giants in this one. He
1: did. Now we have a first and 10 zone read. And we asked ourselves in the quick reaction pod, why is Daniel Jones handing the football off every time yeah. on these zone reads? And after I watched the film, I now know why it's because (laughs) (laughs) it's because the Texans did not allow Daniel Jones to run the football. Once the backside pursuit defender was incredibly disciplined with his responsibility. And you can see it right here. 45. He just sees his own read sees the mesh point. He just sits every time you're going to hand the football off in this situation, even though you have number 85 kind of coming across. But I also like this wrinkle because what did we say earlier several times now on the podcast, Dan, with the. H-back coming across the formation, Jalen Petrie is going to follow him. You hand the football off to Saquon Barkley. Now the Texans are one less defender in the box to that side of the field. Yes, you lose a blocker in Chris Myrick, but you have defenders flowing away from where you're handing the right. football off. So I I like and appreciated that fact. That's something we're going to see throughout the game. And also, I just love how Andrew Thomas to the play side here. He chips and allows Josh Azudu to make contact and sustain that block. And then he
2: just picks up Christian Kirksey right here and removes him from the play. Like Andrew
1: Thomas is so damn fun to watch every Sunday.
2: Yeah. We don't always get a chance to appreciate what he does in the run game just because the giants are not running as heavily as this. And sometimes they're running away from him at times. They have some had some of their success runs, but Even when he's not involved in the play, this is one where he is, but even when he's not involved in the play, like on the front side of a player or anything like that, he still has good backside blocks in this game. I thought he was able to flash his, his ability as a run blocker. That's not always talked about with Thomas because his pass blocking is so damn good, but the run blocking is also an asset of his. It certainly is. It certainly is. And that was a two yard gain
1: to set up a second and eight play action bootleg where Daniel Jones ends up picking up yards with his legs. We'll watch it right here. This is a cover two defense. It looks like you see the two high shell. Texans don't really buy it that much on this one. You can see how they don't really pursue Saquon Barkley. They all bail and they eliminate the intermediate route from Kenny Galladay and Isaiah Hodgins. There's really nowhere for Daniel Jones to go with the football. So the fact that he was able to pick up six yards on this play
2: is probably a win for the Giants. It's a win for the Giants. It's also a win for those who are you know, in strong, the strong camp of Daniel Jones is doing a lot to add value to this team, independent of the coaching, independent of Saquon Barkley, and he has in a lot of ways. This is an example of that. There's nothing, there's no way to beat that that cover, too, when those Texans' line, second level guys are going to drop to that depth. Like, there's nothing there. The play is designed to go to Galladay. Hodgkins is taken away, too. So, what does he do? He turns what most quarterbacks are doing here, dumping the ball out of bounds for an incompletion into a six yard gain to set up a third and short. So, it's an excellent play by Jones. It's a good decision, and it's also a good example of his athletic ability creating yards, unfound yards for the Giants.
1: And it's a three-level read designed by Mike Kafka because Wandale Robinson fakes like he's blocking down, spins out, and he's that first level. But the middle hook defender and the flat defender to the side where Daniel Jones is rolling out to both focus in on Wandale Robinson. And I felt like Christian Kirksey did a really good job recognizing, probably through film study because the Giants run this type of concept a lot, that the Giants were going to run the deep horizontal cross. So instead of just kind of staying in his middle hook, he just basically matches Kenny Galladay and carries him through the zones where, where the, where Derek Stingley jr. And number two of the Houston Texans should be, but both of those guys are on Wanda Robinson. So basically this defense is just covering each other's asses right here to cover up all three levels of this passing attack. So again, just good defense by Houston on this play.
2: Yep. Good defense, and yet still a six-yard gain for the Giants. That's always a win when you can get a win. Uh, You can get six yards on defense guesses, right? Here we have a little zone read action here for the Giants. On this third and two, it does not work out for them. They only get one yard, which leads to that Jack Anderson fourth and one false start. Let's take a look from the sideline angle real quick, Nick. Uh, Something that I thought was worth at least bringing up is, should this have been a play where the Giants uh, alert to maybe a bubble out there to Wandell Robinson instead?
1: I don't know if it would. Necessarily should have been the bubble, but
2: I thought maybe Daniel Jones keeps this
1: and looks at Lawrence Cager here, Mm -hmm. but Jalen Petrie plays it really well. So this is one of the plays where it's a zone read, but it's an RPO where if Daniel Jones keeps it, he also has a tight end in the flat with a receiver kind of running a seven route or a vertical depending on the coverage. This is something that we've seen since week two against Carolina, where the Giants ran it successfully to Daniel Bellinger. But Jones ends up handing the football off because that backside pursuit defender is pretty disciplined. And there's just really nowhere for Saquon Barkley to go with the football.
2: Yeah, and you're right. It is played really with really good discipline by that enemy man on the line of scrimmage by the Texans. I do kind of feel in my mind, Nick, just from watching from this angle, that Jones has the athleticism with all that space to kind of just beat him. Like, I think so it's a it's a mono e mono so type thing, but it's Jones and he has good lateral agility and he has so much space to his right. I feel like he can beat the edge and then just kind of plant his foot and just kind of fall forward for two yards here.
1: So I agree with you. I really think he could have as well, which is unfortunate because the Giants could have used it at this point. Yeah. This sets up a fourth and one. That's a where- rare
2: read. I haven't seen him make that you know, a read that we would consider the wrong one. And that's not even really the wrong one. That's not a good way to phrase it, but one that could have been different for on those plays really at all. So that's kind of maybe even the first example I've seen where I, even, even at the same time would even question, is it possible he could have kept it and, and, and got a win with the keeper.
1: Yep. All that set up the fourth and one Jack Anderson jumps off sides and, oh my gosh, could, Brian Dable not light that dude up on the sideline any more than he did, man. That poor bastard earns like four snaps a game, <laughs> tries his ass off, makes one mistake, and just gets <laughs> absolutely obliterated by Brian Dable. But did I understand see him.
2: Jackie Anderson, he's just he he like he he was almost like standing there, like he knew he effed up, and he was just like, I'm just better off saying absolutely nothing and standing here stoically. That is my best course of action,
1: and it's a smart course of action. What are yeah. you gonna say? Like, it's all no. on you. You screwed up, dude. You <laughs> yeah. just got to
2: take that L. You got to suffer it, which sucks. You just man. stand there and take it. That was the best way to play it stoically. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, it leads to a plan. I mean, they're at the 36 before that penalty. That moves them back to the 41 of the Texans to get no points out of that with a kicker as good as good. No, it's frustrating as hell. That's why Brian Dable's on the sideline doing that stuff. He's like, dude, come on, man, we're converting that fourth and one at worst. We're then getting a field goal. Now you took three points off the board, maybe seven. Like you, you can't, we can't accept that type of stuff. It's just not, not down for it. You won't and play. You do that.
1: It's going to happen on the fourth drive, too, just not with a Jack Anderson false start. But it just goes to show you how sloppy the Giants offense was in the first half of this game, how they were able to clean it up in the second half. And yet, like we said on the quick reaction show, I never really fretted this game. I didn't think that the Houston <laughs> Texans had a chance, which is just so wild to me, man, that we covered this team last year and they sucked as bad as they did. And here we are just not even sweating games because Houston, I mean, they just really couldn't get anything going on offense.
2: No, and you knew the Giants were just were making mistakes the only reason they were keeping them a game is because it was like stupid mistakes. But um the fourth drive we're rolling into was an eight play thirty-five yard drive. So we just finished a seven play thirty with a punt. This is an eight play thirty-five with a punt. And these, by the way, these two we don't talk special teams that much. My God were these two punts on these two drives just at the last drive. And then this one, just horrific punts by Gillum. One of them, we got like 15 yards of field position. The other was 20. They were literally better off just going for it on fourth. Both they couldn't want on this one. Cause it was like fourth and whatever, it was a long fourth down. So it wouldn't matter. I think it was fourth and 18 or something like that crazy. But the other one, they honestly would have been better going for fourth and six and getting 20 yards of field position, but you can't predict bad punts from your punter like that. So hopefully the hammer can get back on track next week, but we start this drive with, uh, looks like, did you go over the boundary run here on the, did you already roll that one?
1: Yes, yeah, it's just have... 13 personnel. I just went back to it where okay. the giants align all three tight ends to one side and they end up running towards the boundary and the Houston Texans kind of anticipated. This is the, I don't even know, maybe the fourth week side run that the New York giants did. So the Houston Texans weren't really fooled and they end up kind of getting to Saquon Barkley, but despite that Barkley picks up four yards. So it's an
2: acceptable gain here. Sets up a second and six where the Giants get one of their bigger plays of the game, one of their bigger plays in the run game out of the gun, which was interesting to me. Pin pull concept, run to the right with Barkley, and you can see just an absolute hole created for him.
1: Yeah. And look, it's that formation we were talking about with the Giants ran out of Cager and then the two reduced wide receivers. The Giants add a shotgun. They're going to motion Cager over look at the linebacker 48's going to pay attention to Lawrence Cager so he's eliminated from the play that's a backside linebacker Kirksey pinches way too far up close to yeah. the line of scrimmage and kind of eliminates himself from the play so now you have John Feliciano Tyree Phillips and Saquon Barkley against two defenders and Saquon Barkley is going to outrun all those pursuit defenders at least for a little while he ends up picking up what 27 yards on the ground here before the snap this was a too high defensive look and you can see how it kind of stays that way 23 gets frozen for a while here you can see eric murray i'm not really 100 sure what he's doing he doesn't realize that this is a run outside until Saquon right. barkley is essentially turning the corner so you have multiple houston defenders removing themselves from the play side and christian Kirksey and eric murray here so
2: it's just really bad defense 23 by three just so slow to react to that he's completely fooled look at the steps 23 takes I'm
1: trying to figure out what exactly he's processing here or what he he's seeing. Cause right in front of him, Wandell Robinson is throwing a block, but Wandell Robinson doesn't even need to throw the block because the two defenders that he could have blocked removed themselves from the play, essentially. Right. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's very it's very interesting.
1: It definitely is. And that ends that's a huge chunk play, man. 27 yards to set up another first down run coming up.
2: Yep, that was their big play the 1st time run, but then they come right back with a run and get another eight yards despite just having a big run, um, which you don't always see. This one, to me, was a lot of Saquon Barkley creating it on his own with a really nice cutback and then the vision to cut it back again a second time to create eight yards. uh, It's a wall-block play as well, but I just love the cuts here from Saquon Barkley and the vision. Yeah, the cuts in the vision by Saquon Barkley, who was just
1: playing unreal football still they uh They're very fun to watch, and I look forward to watching this offensive film because of Saquon Barkley and his creativity. But this is a similar formation than we just saw, right? Like the cager right. and the two reduced. only now it's not shotgun. The last play was shotgun. So you can see how the Giants are coming out with similar types of formations but they might be changing certain things like right now they bring daniel jones under center they run this single back and they hand the football off for a nice eight yard gain you can see how the giants are just blocking down right here and if you also been paying attention to the houston texans defense they've been slanting a lot something that the new york giants do. now when you slant it's typically difficult for or i don't want to say it's difficult but it can be a problem for zone based blocking schemes when you slant and you change your gap post-snap right at the snap. It can create miscommunications. It can allow you to penetrate. It can blow up run plays, you know, force tackle for losses. So that's something that Houston was doing all game here. And it's something that the New York giants were doing. And we'll see that tomorrow, but you could see right there how that happens.
2: Yeah. And we'll see exactly, as you said, we'll see that when we go over the defensive film, similar situation in some spots, second and two, they come out again, similar formation here, just a little one yard gain for Barkley. This one doesn't work out as well as the last two. The giants are just, Hey, we're
1: establishing the run right now. There's no reason to change anything up, but
2: right here, the
1: the Houston Texans do a really good job, just kind of owning the line of scrimmage. I should say right here, Andrew Thomas. Though look, Andrew Thomas chips, Jerry Hughes climbs, and just takes on Christian Kirksey. Doesn't really eliminate him from the play, but you can just see how smooth his feet are, and just like how much power in every step that he takes. Like this isn't his best rep by any means, but I just love watching this guy play.
2: Yeah, he's a really fun offensive lineman to watch. He makes it fun to actually watch offensive linemen. Not all of them do that. I think Zudo is a really fun lineman to watch as well just because of his absolute explosiveness in the run game. Um, Hopefully one day Neil will be that as well. Speaking of fun offensive linemen to watch, on this third and one, the Giants go back to this eight offensive lineman look. So that gives our boy Matt at number 74 a chance. The forgotten man, Matt Parrott, the guy who we originally expected. Oh, my God, did we get a steal at 99, the right tackle of the future? Well, guess what? It didn't work out with the last coaching staff. What do we know, Nick? This coaching staff has already done things for this offensive line to make each and every one of them who came over better. Even Andrew Thomas is a better player now than he was before the last offensive line coach regime. You can say the same. There's a lot of new faces, obviously, on this offensive line, but you can say the same about Bredesen before the injury as well. So why not Matt Parrott? And I love watching 74 here because he shows kind of that flash of what do we think about him coming in? We thought he was somebody who looked like a tight end, could move a little bit like a tight end, but also was big and had the length and the power. And you can kind of see all those traits on display, I thought, on this play. Yeah, so the Giants align
1: with Matt Parrott, Jack Anderson, and Nick Gates in quote unquote 13 personnel all as big tight end, essentially. So this is the eight offensive linemen, like Dan said. But the Giants run the football towards that side. I love how Matt Parrott stays square. So Matt Parrott releases off the line of scrimmage. He doesn't block 92. That's Jack Anderson's assignment. So he's just climbing right off the line of scrimmage to Christian Harris, the rookie. And watch how he just stays square all the way until he has to contact. And he just removes Christian Harris from this play. And Saquon Barkley hits the hole right off of his ass. You could also see again how the Houston Texans are slanting here at the snap. They're slanting towards the weak side, and the linebackers are gonna slant, and it kind of plays right into the Giants' favor here. And the Giants just kind of they slant weak side. The Giants have three offensive linemen to the strong side. So you have a bunch of guys slanting away from the play side where you have three extra offensive linemen. So it's just a win for the New York Giants. And Saquon Barkley doesn't end up breaking this for a touchdown, but it ends up going for a really nice gain on a third and one. I believe it was eight yards on this play. Could have even been worse if 36 wasn't there to make the stop.
2: Yeah, it's a third down conversion where the running back runs off the ass of a lineman, and that lineman is Matt Parrott. That's going to get noticed in the film room. The coaches are going to like that rep from Parrott. It's a conversion. He runs off his ass. It's a big play for the Giants in this game. And it goes back to what I said earlier, Nick. The Giants said, here's eight offensive linemen. We are going to run the ball. You bet we're going to run the ball. If we know you know we're going to run the ball, we're still going to be able to create, and that's exactly what they did on that play. Of course, it's followed up by this five-yard loss that really screws up the rest of the entire drive. Here they try to get a little cute with Wandell Robinson uh in motion and then to take the handoff.
1: Wandell Robinson, yeah, he should cut that back stuck he his foot vertical and followed his blocks. But he ah, tried, dude, if he gets vertical there, who knows? With Christian Harris flowing like this, Derek Stingley flowing. Kirksey was about to get taken out by Andrew Thomas. I think I know it's it, it's very easy to say this sitting in a chair, but bouncing this outside with 45 with Alconcro right there, that's right. very, very difficult. And then Wanda Robinson right there probably should have just went down, but holy crap, when you try to out-athlete other people in the NFL, not typically a wise decision. So this was just a pretty dumb
2: rookie mistake by Wanda Robinson. Hopefully he'll yeah. learn from it. I'm sure he will. Well said. That was a rookie mistake. He, he didn't read it right, and it turned into a big loss. It really screwed up the rest of the drive, but like you said, he'll learn from it. Second and play, or I'm sorry, this, the next play is a second and 15. We have a little split back look here with Breed in the backfield. Um, Giants try to run a little runoff of this, but Jalen Petrie just says, oh, hell no. Yeah, Jalen Petrie just
1: steps right into the box. It was a really good job, too, from his original location. Yeah, look at that. Wow looping around Harris, seeing John Feliciano at the second level and then finding Matt Breida kind of at the line of scrimmage. The Giants bring Cager and they kind of motion or they don't motion him. He's he's in the backfield and he just kind of comes right down and inserts almost like a Y insert right on Christian Kirksey. And it's just Petrie as that last line of defense. But the last line of defense was at the line of scrimmage once Matt Breida basically got there. So just really good play by a kid
2: who kind of made a really terrible mistake a little bit later in the game. And it sets up this third and 15, Nick, and this third and 15 stands out to me because it does scare me the most of any play we had on offense as far as future for the Giants this season, when they start to face these playoff type games against Dallas twice against the Eagles and then against Minnesota as well, potentially even the commanders who are playing better football right now, by the way, and about to get chase young back, which is going to help that football team and they're a better team with Heineke. anyway, what scares me the most and why I hope it's not foreshadowing or foreboding of future things to come is what do we see here? The Giants struggling with a twist. And that's something that has really given this Giants offensive line, specifically on the interior, problems all season. Some teams have used it more than others. Dallas used it a bunch to crush the Giants. We saw a few weeks ago teams uh, in the in the two in the past two games before this, teams had used it a little bit at times to give the Giants trouble. But at this stage, the Giants are still a team that is struggling with twist up front, specifically on the interior, with what they have left here, with Azudu, Feliciano, and Gluinski in pass protection. And so it's definitely something that scares me because I know teams are going to look at this on these third and long, third and these obvious pass down situations, these third and long, be like, let's just run twists up front. Let's run those games because until they prove they can take it away. And they and they have at times. Look, there were examples on film that we both went over last week where Zudu did a good job picking up a twist that I remember. And so it's not like it's every rep, but there are several reps on film from this season where the Giants have struggled to pick up twists.
1: Yeah, but this is also a six-man pass rush so yeah, there's six hurts, right. pressure so it wasn't just a four man twist and this is a a uh, a way that the texans were trying to generate pressure was by using Christian Kirksey on these twists as the penetrator with the end man on the line of scrimmage or the five technique being the, the looper. And I think they tried to do this three times and two times. It was successful. And you can see Kirksey right here just runs directly at Josh Azudu, creates the pick, eliminates the center who follows Christian Kirksey on the blitz. And then 97 just comes right in. And John Feliciano does a good job kind of taking him out at the very last second, but that distracts Daniel Jones who jumps right into Saquon Barkley, who is, blocking number two who's coming in on the blitz and then by that point azudu's on the ground because of the penetrator so the guy azudu was blocking ends up kind of getting right after daniel jones and like three guys converge on him but this is a a six-man pressure they really brought the heat on this play it's just the twist was the i guess catalyst that really
2: led to the sack yep and let's see it from the sideline angle real quick just to see if there was anything potential solutions maybe against this quarter's look from what i remember there weren't really there wasn't really a single solution here for daniel jones let's just take a look and see yeah i mean maybe you can try to hit that dig over the middle i guess but other than that there's nothing really even worth considering
1: now yeah he would have to make that decision and based on the totally. coverage it, it might have been there but the, the pressure is just way too much for Daniel Jones to to handle at this point because there's six guys and the, the blocking was just really not great on this play. And this again, though, Dan knocks the New York giants out a field goal range. So two consecutive drives giants just shoot themselves in Crazy. the foot and they, and they're just taking points off the board. And again, I'm sure Brian Dable is yelling at somebody on the sidelines. Hopefully it wasn't Jack Anderson.
2: Yeah. I hope it wasn't Jack again. That would just be too sad. Next. Drive. We have a five play 22 yard drive that starts on the Giants own one yard line after a very, very good special teams play by the Texans. It also starts with a false start by Tyree Phillips. So now we're looking at what first and basically at the inch line. So it's just a really tough spot to come out of here. Um, they create, it was first and 12. They create a little three yard gain here just to get back themselves a little out of the end zone. Um, And then you have a little seven or then we'll get to the second nine. This play was almost a big one potentially for Saquon Barkley here um, with, as you'll see a little bit of a crease right there. It was covered up quick though, but it ends up being a seven yard gain. I just think this is such an
1: impressive run by Saquon Barkley to recognize where to go. Look how narrow that hole is. Like he's just squeaking through that hole. And those are some really good blocks because there's six offensive linemen out there. Nick Gates is the big offensive lineman. The giants are running to the strong side here. Nick Gates makes contact with Okonkwo, or however you say that, Okoronkwo, I believe is how you say it, with Chris Myrick. So there's a double team there. It's just a duo blocking. And you can see how Nick Gates flashes his eyes on Harris. He climbs, locates Harris. But usually when you transition after a combo block with a tight end, the tight end will completely just lose the battle against the edge rusher. But watch how Chris Myrick is able to just hold up here. He holds Okonkwo Yeah, it's up. crazy. I'm And look at that hole! That is beautiful, right there, by Chris Myrick and Nick Gates. So I really love the blocking to the strong side, using that extra offensive lineman, and the Giants end up getting a really nice gain, seven yards, to set up a third and two,
2: while they're backed up with their own end zone scraping their ass. Yeah, and this is the is this the third and two or the play after? I think the third and two is defensive hold, um, which led to an automatic conversion. This is the play after, just a nice little RPO quick game. I like how they've worked in like in the past most of their RPO game. Nick has felt like just the RPO slants. Now they've kind of worked in this quick out to their RPO game, which I like depending on the leverage the corner has pre-snap. And that's just a nice, every time they've tried this so far this year, it's picked up like at least, this one was five, it's picked up like four, five, six yards every time they tried it. Just free yards, basically.
1: Yeah, they've opened games up. I was a little curious. We didn't see more RPO against this team because houston was playing the giants so aggressively in terms of pinching towards a line of scrimmage but like you've said several times man it's just that parcellian type of approach we're just going to beat you you're going to know how we want to beat you and you're not going to be able to stop it but yeah this is a nice little rpo catch for darius slayton would it go for five yards to set up a second and five
2: yeah, nice little play. Unfortunately, this is where the drive breaks down here. This is the Kenny Galladay drop. Really good throw in by Jones in stride to Galladay. Just, it's just a crazy, inexplicable drop by Galladay. I don't, I don't know if this needs much analysis. I like something I'm sure you'll mention with the tight end which this is, I mean, we see a lot with the Kafka system, like from the route standpoint, the tight end running the route right at the player to take him away. So that's perfect. That's done. Well, it takes out that second level dagger guy. concept from yeah. the three
1: by one set too. Tanner Hudson runs right at uh, Harris. You have the dagger concept with the deep dig and the, and the clear out just to open up, Kenny Galladay on that side of the field and Daniel Jones probably could have hit the dig but the safety was there but why not throw the football to Kenny Galladay in this situation there's absolutely no reason not to because typically when you're paying wide receivers you know five cents let alone 72 million dollars they're supposed to catch the freaking football and he just drops this and look at that it's right in his hands it's absolutely right in his hands he actually has a step on the defender it's just a terrible terrible play by Kenny Galladay who seems to just not be able to get away from these types of mistakes this season but I think another low-key excellent takeaway from this play is Saquon Barkley in pass protection. Yes. Watch him right here. Not only does he recognize the blitz, he realizes that no one goes out to get him. He points out the blitz. He points it out, and he was going to go in another direction, but he sees that both of the offensive linemen end up taking on Jerry Hughes here and Christian Kirksey, and nobody kicks out to get number two. So he comes all the way across the formation, throws a block, stopping the blitz. That is a really, really good play by Saquon.
2: It's it's taken his blitz protection to the next level. I mean, look, he was a, he struggled at times with it during his rookie season and throughout at times throughout the last two years. Now he's not only like improved as a pass blocker, he's one of the better pass blocking running backs I see on a weekly basis from the recognition like you talk about, but also he has the body and the ability to actually make a play like this and get in front of this dude, stonewall him. I mean, the pass rush should stop. It's just crazy to watch. I mean, look, look, like you said, the play designed so well that there's trash for that um, guy following Galladay to get over to, to get to him. Like you said, it creates a step. Like, dude, this not only could have been like a conversion, this could have been a huge yak play for a different kind of wide receiver here. Maybe Galladay's never been that kind of receiver, but there's enough space where he can catch that and potentially beat that freaking defender. He has a step. It's just, it's, an, it's, a, it's insanity really to not even come away with the the first down there.
1: It's really unfortunate, and there is a point where I almost feel bad for Kenny Galladay. Too,
2: like, I feel bad but, for him too. On, a, on a
1: human level. I definitely do. And then there's the whole like, you know, we're you know we're paying this guy so much money, he has to step up. And I and I totally get and understand that. But you know, he obviously wants to catch the football and have an impact. Like it's not like he exactly. doesn't want to have an impact on it. Like I feel like there are some people who are trying to cultivate a narrative like, oh yeah, he just oh, yeah. doesn't care at all. I'm like I'm sure he cares, and it's he's probably. He probably has a lot of issues right now because of all of these mistakes. And on a human level, I
2: do feel bad for him. But, damn, dude, you need to freaking get freaking football, man. I also feel bad for him on a human level if it's possible, and I think it is. That he is not the same athlete that he was post-hip surgery, post-another surgery this offseason, and he knows that, and that's not his – like, what is he supposed to do? He's getting paid. He's under contract. He has to go out there and still play unless he wants to retire from football, which I don't think is on his mind yet, and if he retires, I, I don't know how it affects the pay, but I don't know if he still gets paid fully, so I don't think that's an option either. But he just might not have it anymore. You said it. He was lumbering on that, on the on, off the line of scrimmage. There's multiple routes, even this one, dude. Like, watch his get off and his fire off the line of scrimmage. If you have Slayton running that route, dude, this could have been a huge play if you had Slayton run that route. Let's watch 19 just try to get across here. And the long strides help him. So that's one thing he does have going in his favor as far as running a route like this. But in general, man, that is slow off the line of scrimmage, right? Like, yeah. You could imagine Slayton running that route. Slayton is across the field catching the football. Potentially, who knows what Slayton's going to do post catch because he's going to have more than Slayton would have more than a step right now. Wanda Robinson even would have more than a step right now. It would be like two, three steps close to the 30 yard line. Jones puts the ball on target, and who knows what could happen. And Look it's at like, Darius
1: Slayton, too, man. Like, Darius Slayton out of his break on this dig route, like, look at the body language once he realized Kenny Galladay drops the football. Like, it's just like, and obviously, you're going to be upset that. Your player, whoever it is, it doesn't even have to be Kenny Galladay, it doesn't come up with an easy catch like that, but he knows this is a missed opportunity. Probably also knows, like, my God, man, Kenny Galladay just cannot catch a break. He cannot catch anything, apparently, especially a break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <yeah.
2: football>. Unfortunately. <laughs> um sets so up a third and five for the Giants. This is the last play of the drive, leads the punt. They run this mesh play this mesh play with a little bit of hitches, but um, it's the play we were talking like, about before. Yeah, this is the play we we're talking about before, but it just looks like the Houston Texans are just playing a good zone here. They drop to a good they they don't even drop, they just stay at a good depth here at the sticks. Um, and it's just hard to hard for this. It's close though. I mean, like even despite all that, they almost turned this into a first down, but it's caught before the sticks, and the Texans have so many, so many bodies around to rally to that to hold them out.
1: This is a good read by Daniel Jones right here and a good play call from my Kafka because the giants run the wheel towards Tanner Hudson's side. And that's going to remove Jalen Petrie from the box and Tanner Hudson just basically steps right where Jalen Petrie was presents a target catches the football. But then to Petrie's credit, he does a good job kind of coming off of Saquon Barkley's route and, and getting to Tanner Hudson to make this tackle along with Harris. So I thought the read was fine. Jones hits his back foot, fires it. It's just Tanner Hudson couldn't pick up that half a yard he needed, and the Giants end up punting this football. And this was the last time we saw Kenny Galladay on the field. It was the last play Kenny Galladay's
2: career in the New York Giants. Could you imagine that? Was that a South Park thing?
1: No, it was not a South Park thing. I mean, it kind of, I guess, sounded a little voice,
2: right? like, that, like Trey Parker. Yeah, the podcast podcast podcast. Who are fans of like who? Trey Parker. Yeah, it was a little Trey Parker. Like, for those uh, fans of the podcast who are listening, podcast listeners who are fans of South Park, let us know if that felt a little South Parky to you, too, by the way. And <laughs> yeah. by the way, I still think it's crazy that Nick is, like, this die South Park fan, and he's never seen Orgasmo, or never seen or heard of Orgasmo. Like,
1: no, I've honestly not. Is that, I'm guessing, a Matt Stone-Trey Parker thing?
2: It's one of their earliest movies, before that's, Basketball. That's incredible that I haven't seen it. You've seen honest. Basketball, obviously, right? Of course, yeah. I love okay. that. Yeah. and And Team America and all that. But you got to get yourself a copy or you got to find a way to stream orgasmo it is a hilarious mat it's like the rawest them and their rawest and i just think it's one of the funniest movies so maybe one day we'll watch it or something like that but i think orgasmo move that up the list and so yeah this was just 17 seconds left in the game just three plays there's only one i wanted to talk about you can talk about others if you want it's just this first play where i think jones does a really good job here of pump faking understanding that the original read he wants, where he wants to go with this football is going to be a bad decision. It's going to be jumped by that second-level defender, potentially for a pick six. In the past, we've seen Jones make this throw. Instead, here, he recognizes it, is able to pump fake, change his decision, and then come back in real time to find Tanner Hudson because it's real time. You can look at 91. He eventually, ultimately, beats Glowinski and gets in a pressure on Jones by the time Jones comes back. So he has to get rid of that thing fast. He has to know that that where Hudson is going to be kind of just, based on the play call and the coverage and that's exactly what he does there so that's good it's a good example of processing from jones i thought
1: it's a good example of processing but i don't really think this is a pump fake as much as this is daniel jones realizing at the last second the very last second and i cannot throw this football because look Mm -hmm. at jalen petrie here everything about the coverage up till this point suggests that Wandell robinson is going to be open this is a cover this is a um I'm looking at the defense and it looks like it's some sort of zone coverage. It's not necessarily cover two. It looks like it could be a cover three type of defense, but you have the curl flat defender expanding towards the flat. Wondell Robinson runs inside of him. And then Jalen Petrie is kind of over the top of the three by one set, the number three receiver, which is Tanner Hudson. Daniel Jones hits his back foot and he's deciding to throw this football to Wondell Robinson, but Jalen Petrie is baiting it, man. Jalen Petrie comes off of it and goes, Great job by Daniel Jones and not throw those football. Cause I think this is a pick six and it would have been devastating, but Jones realizes Jalen Petrie comes off of Tanner Hudson. So he thinks, okay, Tanner Hudson's probably open. And guess what? Jones was right. So that is a really, really smart play by Daniel Jones, but he narrowly escaped making a catastrophic type of mistake.
2: Yeah, it was a great play by Jones and it takes away a potential pick six and turns it into a 16 yard plus for the offense, Uh, We can run through the rest of these plays now. There's nothing really of interest to me. Uh, They faced the cover, too. They dumped down on the.
1: Did you think the. What did you think about 17 seconds the Giants trying to get into field goal range? Like, I I love that type of aggressiveness, but I I love love that they
2: finally did it. Yes, exactly. They finally got a little aggressive. Like, dude, you have Graham Gano, one of the best kickers in the NFL. In these spots, you have to be trying to get three against the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings. You're going to need to scrape off three points. Look at what the Washington football team tonight. Before the half, they scraped off three there to get it to 2014. Ultimately, ended up making a, a little bit of a difference in their win against the Eagles. So I did like that. I thought that was a good point by you, Nick. We need to start seeing a little bit more aggression to try to get field goals in these end-of-half situations but Daniel Jones ends up getting sacked on this
1: last play. And Jerry Hughes defeats three blocks. Now I know that sounds a little ridiculous, but he fights through Tanner Hudson's chip as Tanner Hudson gets into the route. And then Saquon Barkley comes and he chips him as well to help Tyree Phillips, but Saquon Barkley chips him and it kind of assists Jerry Hughes to spin inside of Tyree Phillips to sack Daniel Jones. And this is one of those things where it's like, when you're watching it on tape, you're just like, Oh my God, man, like, good job defeating three
2: blocks, but a lot of things kind of went your way at the same time. (laughs) For sure. For sure. And that'll end the half for the giants then roll into the halftime with a lead and they go on their first drive of the second half. It's kind of like that first drive of the first half, just a little bit longer, a five play 75 yard touchdown drive. That is efficiency right there. Right. And now, A big chunk of that came on their third and nine play to Slayton, which we're going to go over. And we're finally going to get a chance to see it on the tape. As we all saw in the broadcast angle, it's even more fun to me to watch on the tape, watching him eliminate the angles of those two defensive, uh, those two Texans offensive backs for the touchdown. Um, But it starts here with just a little off-tackle run for eight yards to Barkley. You can see, there it
1: is. Technique again with Josh Azudu blocking down. Well, this is more... Andrew Thomas. Yep. Andrew Thomas is driving at second level defender, because you want to slant inside good. I'm just going to push you right to another <laughs> blocker. And he just gets eliminated by the backside tackle who is taking his assignment for a little bit of a ride as well. So the giants start their drive off with a nice eight yard run off tackle to set up this second and two where the giants are running, no huddle more wipe type techniques right here. If you want to um, Google wipe technique, go ahead. I'll teach you a lot about back to front.
2: And this is a 12 yard rush. Zone. Yeah, we got nice little hole. Barkley finds it and creases it, and that's a 12-yard run. So that's back-to-back 8 and 12. Nice little 20 yards to start to drive on the ground, doing what they want to do. Sets up a first and 10. This is a no-gain for the Giants. Obviously, look, you're running the ball at this frequency. We can't expect every single play to be just a chunk play. Um, the Texans are guessing run every time, and they're stacking to stop the run. Uh, so here's just a little zero-yard gain.
1: Yeah, Andrew Thomas kind of gets beat around the edge, and Jerry Hughes just kind of gets a hold of Saquon Barkley's ankle just to kind of
2: trip him up as Saquon's trying to dance a little bit in the backfield. And so it sets up a second and nine for the Giants, and they go back to something that they found success with. Again, you see that formation with Cager and the two wide receivers from the condensed split. Try to run a little pin pull here, but this time the Texans are ready for it.
1: The Texans are ready for it, but I'll tell you something. Number two is not ready for Tyree Phillips. Watch out Tyree <laughs> Phillips. just You're plants right. Number two right there. Oof. This is Island. a pin pull concept, and they're just, the Giants are going to use Cager, Wondell Robinson to kind of pin. They're going to pull the play side tackle Tyree Phillips. Well, Cager doesn't pin. Cager actually goes uh, around Darius Slayton, who pins. And then you oh, have you know John what, Luciano. What's up?
2: This is actually a good opportunity. Let's run this one back a little bit to the start of this play. I had a special request from none other than a now avid watcher of this video. He wasn't a big listener because he didn't like that format, but now he watches every single one of these. And that's none other than my pops, Ron Schneier. Shout out Ronnie Schneier, my, my, my guy, the greatest man in the world. And he said on the next podcast, can you and Nick please do me a favor and explain what the pinpole concept means? So this is an opportunity oh, to do that. Okay. But yeah. Go ahead. Pin-
1: Pin pull concept is exactly what it sounds like. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see how Darius Slayton, number 86, is going to pin. He is going to block down on a defender that is towards the inside of him. And while he's doing that, there is an offensive lineman who is covered up by that defender. That would be Tyree Phillips in this case. So while Darius Slayton blocks down, Tyree Phillips is going to pull around Darius Slayton, hence the pin pull. Slayton is going to pin that defender down while Tyree Phillips pulls around him to locate other blockers and become a lead blocker to kick out, to do whatever his assignment ends up being. But that's what a pin pull concept is. It's a power gap type of running concept. You can also see it with Mark Lewinsky, number 64 on the one technique. He's going to pin that one technique. And then John Feliciano was going to pull right around to lead block. So that's a pin pull concept
2: well said and you could see it twice there with both examples of two players uh, of four players executing that on that play so the giants end up taking this one for only one yard though um so it sets up this third and nine and here's the big play of the game this is in my mind the game altering play this is the reason the giants won this game because they created a touchdown of this length what is this this is a 50 what was a 54 yard touchdown here um You've seen it. You'll see it again now on the film here from the sideline angle. I mean, this is just incredible post catch acceleration in second gear from Darius Slayton. You can you can say whatever you want about this dude, but in my mind, he's playing as good as a lot of the receivers. At least at least not like the top end wide receiver ones, but like back end wide receiver ones. I'll say top end wide receiver twos because this was a phenomenal play. I don't care what your name is here. You could say what like this is this is good wide receiver play right here across the league.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is a very good play by Darius Slayton. I think it's an impressive throw by Daniel Jones as well because he's getting hit right here. He has to buy some time, and that's some good power right there. And now it's a little bit underthrown, but often considered, A, it works out better because Jalen Petrie... His angle, but all things considered, he got this football out with the Texans bringing the pressure and again, another twist getting right into Daniel Jones's face. But I do like this play call too, man, because you have these deep horizontal crossing routes, right? Pre-snap, Houston is in too high defensive shell, right? This is a three-by-one set with the tight end reduced to the backside. It's one of the formations that we talked about, the formation that they pass the football out of successfully throughout this game. Wondell Robinson is just going to streak over the middle of the field with Tanner Hudson. They're just basically going to form two deep horizontal crossing routes. And then you're going to take the number one receiver to the three by one side, Isaiah Hodges. He's going to release inside and basically run directly towards Jalen Petrie. But I love this little whip route by Darius Slayton because it's a pressure look from Houston. So you're going to get man coverage across the board. And Jalen Petrie thinks that Darius Slayton is going to run an inside breaking route, a drag route, a crossing route, something along those lines, something of that nature. So he has to work over the top in his mind of Derek Stingley Jr. And you can see how he starts to do that and he starts to work over the top, but then he realizes, oh crap, it's a whip route. Now look how Darius Slayton has about what? Seven, eight yards of distance between himself and Jalen Petrie. And he is outside with momentum moving towards the sideline with right underneath Isaiah Hodgins with Isaiah Hodgins running towards Jalen Petrie. So there's a lot of things working to Darius Slayton's advantage here. I like that scheme. And also, man, this little, the, the pass being inside, there's a little bit of a bobble by Darius Slayton. Jalen Petrie is scrambling and he's a little bit undisciplined with his tackle attempt. He goes for that outside hip, right? Darius Slayton turns inside and the rest is kind of history. Love that block by Tanner Hudson effectively eliminates two defenders from this play and it ends up going for six. I ended up doing a breakdown on this play on my youtube if anybody wants to go check it out
2: on your youtube or on your twitter you said on oh, my YouTube. twitter i did yep. say YouTube. i don't have a youtube this is my youtube uh, yeah this is like goes back to the old man the member on the youtubes this is like the old man on the youtubes find uh, <laughs> us on the youtubes but go back to the um end zone angle for a second because i think you're right i don't think originally in my analysis because i do think this is an incredible play by our receiver but I didn't give enough credit to Daniel Jones. It's not just the ability to get the throw out there. I love that little subtle at the last second slide. See that slide at the very end to create the space necessary to throw that football. If he doesn't slide there, that football is never getting out to that spot. That little slide backwards just to give himself a little bit more of a throwing lane so he can really hawk into that thing and get it left because it needs to go left. The ball needs to, the trajectory of the ball needs to be very far left. It's a really good play by Jones to slide and and that, allows him to get the ball to where he needs to get it to.
1: And look, we have Kirksey being the penetrator. You have 97 yep. being the looper. It's that same pressure package that Houston ran before. And what I hate is the Giants have six guys in protection, Dan. They have six guys in protection and they can't block six. Not only can they not block six, there are multiple guys running with two linemen, basically just chasing them like, Dan, you get rid of the football. Like that can't happen at this point, dude. Like yeah. that's, that's inexcusable.
2: Yep. Yep. There were a few more breakdowns in the pass protection in this game. It's It sucks because the Giants were actually really good in pass protection against the Seahawks, though people didn't realize it because they didn't move the ball off in the air. They actually had nothing to do with the pass protection. They weren't so bad against the Jaguars. There were some bad moments, but I thought there was a little bit of regression here from the pass production on some plays. Now, obviously, there weren't that many pass plays, so it's hard to really say anything definitively like full regression, but it definitely wasn't as good as it looked against Seattle to me.
1: I didn't think so either. I thought the it definitely regressed. The Giants didn't really pass the football all that much, so we didn't see it all that often. But whenever they did, especially with those twists, you could see how the Giants were struggling to pick it up. But that's yep. a one hell of a touchdown play right there for Darius Slayton. We talked about explosive plays, Dan. Darius Slayton has two to his name
2: so far in this game. And he, Yeah, and he hasn't even played. Exactly. Two in this game alone. And he could have had a third, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, so now we have this eighth drive. So they, they start with a five play 75 touchdown drive and they come back and they do another damn good thing on offense. They go 12 plays, 74 yards, and this is a touchdown. So it's back-to-back touchdown drives to set the tone in the second half, make the adjustments needed to create offense and to finish it in touchdowns. We start here with just a little three yard run.
1: Look how aggressive Houston's linebackers are again. And mind you, this is an important drive. It's only 14 to 10 at this point, New York Giants So this is a very close game. It's a one possession game. Houston knows the Giants are going to run the football right here. Nick Gates is in the game. This only ends up going for, like you said,
2: three yards and set up this second and seven and with a Giants go play. Throws. Go back on that play just for a quick second. I'm curious to get your take on this. It's kind of like the little look, focus on end man right there on the right side, 83 uh, Lawrence Cager. This is kind of just like the little moments, the little kind of maybe subtleties that I notice, like where they're missing a Bellinger. I just think Bellinger is going to do a better job of what do you always call it, losing slowly, like losing slowly on this rep. I just feel like eventually the guy who's who's Cager uh, trying to block is the one who makes the tackle on Barkley here and is the one who fills the hole first. But I just feel like with Bellinger, he's going to do a much, much better job of losing a lot slower than this.
1: Also with Cager, I mean, maybe he sucked at blocking here because he was being sexually harassed by a ghost the back of his jersey just gets lifted up by the wind or something
2: like that right before the snap. A little bit weird, right? <laughs> well, do you do remember, this was the field where the black cat uh, scurried across one of those Monday Night Football games like three or four years. Remember that black cat game?
1: Yeah, I do remember yeah, that.
2: You know. It's very odd. If you're
1: watching on YouTube, look at Cager's um, backside, I guess I'll say, and you can see how his jersey just goes up, looks like someone's pulling at it or something. Maybe that's Hoffa. We always thought Hoffa was buried in uh, that right? Hoffa, yeah, Hoffa, the, the ghost of Hoffa. Yeah, he's ghost definitely. With him.
2: There. Yeah, th- <laughs> just throws throws there. There. All right, Oh, well, we Jesus, got
1: it with Josh Azudu, too. Look,
2: just get, get it with Josh Azudu. Hoffa's just doing some weird stuff right now. This is insane. Yeah, well, we got to get this thing back on track here, too, <laughs> for this little bootleg action on second down. They try to hit Cager, they hit it earlier for the touchdown. This time, the Texans are ready.
1: Yeah, the Texans are ready for this, and it goes for no gain. You get Cager into space, but I got to give credit to Houston's defense right here in pursuit. Number 23, Murray, does a really excellent job kind of breaking down, closing with, and getting to the hip of Cager, and making a really nice open field tackle.
2: Yep, sets up the third and seven here. This was in my mind, one of the better plays from Daniel Jones here against the cover two look, it's a quick hitter. But one thing I really love, which you'll see eventually from the end zone angle is the ball placement on this throw. This is something I think Daniel Jones always does a better job of than he's given maybe credit for. Maybe I would say, uh, national media wise, we talk about it a lot, but I think in a lot of these situations with these throws, he understands and recognizes the leverage of the defenders. And so, for example, here, you do not want to throw this ball to the inside shoulder. No matter, look, um, Wanda Robinson breaks toward the inside. You would think like just naturally speaking, you might think like, oh, this ball should go to his left shoulder, right? That's where it would be placed perfectly, but no, it's the total opposite. You don't want to lead him into that defender. Instead, if you throw it to his right shoulder, it gives him a much better chance to protect himself. And I think Jones does a good job on a lot of these throws of driving the football, but also throwing it to the right shoulder, throwing it away from the coverage.
1: Absolutely. That is an excellent point by you. And you can see right here, it also allows Wanda Robinson to spin out of Christian Kirksey's tackle attempt to pick up a few extra yards and this is also something that Daniel Jones recognized earlier in the game look Houston's gonna load the line of scrimmage and if they don't bring the blitz they're just gonna bail and they're gonna bail right. back with a lot of steam and that's exactly what happens so Jones hits that back foot he sees Kirksey still bailing he sees number two still bailing to the curl flat he just fires his football that's good recognition as well by Daniel Jones on this third and seven a big gotta have it type of play Dan Joe Shane talks about these gotta have it plays this is a gotta
2: have it play and Daniel Jones delivered I love when any quarterback and our quarterback is Daniel Jones. So I love when Daniel Jones decides to really get that decisive. This is something Greg Cassell talked a lot about in the offseason of why he liked Daniel Jones for this season, thought he might have his best season with Brian Dable. He said, one thing is on those third and, third down, third to go situations. This is third and seven. Any of those third and seven pluses. He's very decisive with the football. And you said it best. He really catches the snap, hits his back foot and delivers that rip there at the right to the right spot with great ball placement. That's the decisiveness that Cassell mentions when he references that. Um, So you see it on display here and it creates for the Giants a first down. And also
1: look at the formation. It's that passing formation, three by one set with the tight end reduced. Also look at the number two and the number one receiver, their route. You have to clear out. And then you have the number one receiver breaking over the middle of the field. That's going to be important in a couple of plays.
2: Yep. Sets up this first and 10 situation. This is just a little zone read for two yards. Um, we have Feliciano trying to take out the one tech here, um, but this one just doesn't go for as many as expected or hoped for. Yeah, and you also see number 21
1: playing the zone read really disciplined. So Daniel Jones has to hand the football off. Feliciano, like you said, has a really good block on that one technique, but the play is kind of blown up around the line of scrimmage.
2: And that was the story of the game. Like you said, 21, or whether it was him or on the other side of the line of scrimmage, everyone played that zone read pretty uh, pretty, um, you know, successfully and really accounted for Daniel Jones' rushing ability. But at least to the second and eight here, And man, oh man, this was the closest one we had in this game to being a long touchdown run. You can see it from this angle. I I put in my notes, the end zone angle. You could see that he just, Saquon Barkley, first of all, excellent job by Saquon Barkley to have the vision to understand. Look at the patience. Look at how he presses the line of scrimmage so patiently before knowing and decisively using his vision to make the cut there that he has to make. Watch. Patience, patience, boom, makes the cut. And he just so slightly steps on Tyree Phillips's right foot. And you could see it from the end zone angle. Hopefully from this, it's not too small. But if he doesn't step on Tyree Phillips's right foot, I really think that it gets Saquon Barkley with a full head of speed in space. Then he has about six yards of space. Now it's not going to look like this because he does trip on the foot and that slows him down. It's Andrew Thomas. Yeah. There, oh, it's Andrew Thomas. Okay. Yeah. So if he doesn't slip there or if doesn't, I should say step yet yeah, is Thomas. If he doesn't step on Thomas's foot there, he then has a chance to be about six yards in between him and that safety. And that's when I know Saquon Barkley can then, press his right leg, drive his right leg into the ground, and get vertical to beat that safety one-on-one. He doesn't have to then bounce it to the outside. And I think there's a chance, dude, that he could cut that thing back and rip through that safety. I've seen him do it before in the past, and so this was close. This was really close.
1: It was really close. Also, check out Joshua Zudu. Jimmy Hoffa. Anyways, he's, uh, <laughs> the back of his jersey gets swiped up. But yeah, man, I, I also just think the ability to regain your balance after stepping on... Andrew Thomas's foot or getting tripped up or whatever happened. is very impressive in its own right. This could have, like you
2: said, been a really huge run. Yeah. And either way, though, like you said, to regain balance, it did turn into a first down run, which is awesome. 13 Um, yards in second and eight. This was the one egregious miss in my mind by Jones in the game. I know some people have said they thought it was tipped from the end zone angle. It doesn't look to me like it was tipped. I don't think it looked like to to Nick, like it was tipped. Um, It, it,
1: It was closer than I thought after I watched this. It looks almost like right there, like it changes trajectory, but it just doesn't appear like the hand makes contact with it. Unless this guy's pinky just grew like three inches.
2: Who is I that? I don't really think to me. So I, I didn't feel like my whole thing is I didn't feel like the trajectory was changed. So stop it like right here, right when he gets into that, look at where he's aiming the football there, right? Like right here where he's aiming the football. Yeah. Yeah that's why I don't really think the trajectory. Is I feel like he was aiming for the spot where it actually went to maybe a little bit to the right, but he wasn't really leading the receiver. He wasn't throwing to space here, which he did a good a job of earlier in the game. This was not a good job of Daniel Jones learning space. Cause look how much space he has. I mean, you could see it better from the end zone angle, but he has all the space in the world to the right sideline not not there's an underneath defender there as you can see but from the other angle you can see it so i just feel like it was a misfire from jones it's gonna happen right like you saw tonight how many times did taylor heineke throw high in this game right and was off target on some of his throws just an example from tonight's game but we are in some ways very fortunate to have Daniel Jones in the sense that he doesn't have a lot of off target. throws. his off target percentage during that four game streak was fourth best in the NFL. I don't know what it is overall, but I think he still remains easily in the top 10 in off target percentage, meaning the opposite of it, right? Like not the top end of off target, the bottom, like the good, the good top 10 as in least off target percentage throws. So this was just one that was off target though. Yeah. Maybe he thought Kenny Galladay was running the route and that's where Kenny Galladay would (laughs) have been if he was running the route. Also got Dar- a love this opportunity because there was a lot of space. Uh, you could see it from the sideline angle. There was a ton of space on this one.
1: That would have been his third explosive play for Darius Slayton. Yes. Most- and it would have yeah. taken him over a
2: hundred, which is devastating because the Giants haven't had a hundred yard receiver. It would have been nice to get one.
1: Look at, look at Derek Stingley junior though, getting
2: ready for the world cup right there. Kicking the, oh, kicking yeah. the ball while it's on the ground. Bam. All right, let's move on. And so now second and 10, just a little zone read three yard gain to Brita. Once again, Texans playing the zone read run. Well, there's no option for Daniel Jones. You could see 45 plays it really disciplined and then even gets in to make the tackle after he does hand the ball. That's a pi- picture perfect textbook play by 45.
1: Yes. Excellent play by 45 to set up the second, third and seven of the drive.
2: Play to me, man. This is. Two one play after Daniel Jones had his only miss of the game, basically that off-target throw to Slade. He comes back with what I thought was his best throw of the game by far. You can say all you want that this was great design and the receiver was open, but look at this. This is a third and long situation. There's no play action, so these second-level defenders can drop to depth. And what I love about Daniel Jones here, what do I always say is has been his best throw, is and always has been his best throw in the NFL. It's those deep, it's those intermediate deep digs, and he really does a great job here. And on all of these types of throws, it's always these 15-yard type digs of layering the football over the second level, but not too far over the head of the receiver so it gets to that third-level defense. And that's exactly what he did on this one. You can see from the end zone angle especially. I mean, he steps up through, through a clean pocket, through the middle, but just, again, layers that football, if you can see from the end zone angle, just over the hands of that linebacker. And this is something that he does a lot. Just gets right over the top, but also not too high. Also not over the head. So it turns into an interception. And that to me was the best throw of the game from Jones.
1: It's a great play by Daniel Jones. Also look at the formation and it's the same exact play that we saw on the other third and seven with Wandell Robinson running the quick stick here. I think he turns in an opposite direction. Number one receiver runs the post behind the middle hook defenders. Look how those middle hook defenders react to Wandale Robinson. They just saw in the last third and seven, him catch the ball. So they all just clamped down on Wandell. And then Isaiah Hodgins literally doesn't have
2: anybody within what
1: <laughs> seven, eight yards of him. Dude, it might be I, even more. I, I mean, football. the defender
2: behind him is a full ten yards and the middle safety is is, is far off to the left. So yeah. And that defender
1: behind him has to scramble because he has to account for Darius Slayton's speed from the number two wide receiver spot. So well, the defender who is would be behind him in terms of the yardage on the field, not the defender who is right. more towards the sideline. He is more towards the sideline. Nobody accounts for Hodgins here. This is just a really good play call against cover two. and The Giants anticipated cover two here, and they got cover two, which is awesome because it's not like the Giants passed the football all that much throughout this game. They passed it 17 times, but <laughs> they had some timely play calls against the coverage that they expected
2: to see against Lovey Smith. Yep, and... Great play call against this defense and a really nicely layered ball by Jones. Good, heavy ball comes up over. He has that, you know, that David Cutcliffe taught over the top delivery that really helps him in those types of situations where he's trying to layer the ball over that second level and it comes out compact. It comes out with velocity. I, I mean, you could, you could nitpick the, the ball placement. I guess if you want, but it's really hard to hit the receiver and stride when you have to get it over the second level defender. So to me, that's actually pretty much perfect ball placement.
1: Now we have a very nice block by Josh Azudu on this nine-yard rush oh, yeah. from Matt Breida. So, Best block of the game, runs- maybe
2: I thought this might be my favorite block there. Game. It's yeah. up
1: there. I mean, and- Andrew Thomas like probably would win that on almost True. every single play. So I'm just going to exclude him from <laughs> the conversation. But this is another weak side run by the New York Giants here, and then you have Josh Azudo who climbs and he just locates Kirksey and gets rid of him from the play right here. Just watch how quick again, boom. Get rid of him.
2: He moves so Matt damn fast for a 320 pound human.
1: So damn fast. Cager's going to take the end man on the line of scrimmage. You're going to have Andrew Thomas scoop block on the backside. So you don't have any of these backside pursuit defenders really getting in the way for Matt Breida. It's just the alley defender who ends up making this tackle. And then Kirksey ends up kind of recollecting himself after Azudu eliminated him from the play. But really, really love the movement skills from the rookie.
2: Yeah, that was a really good rep for Azudu and something to really get excited about if you're thinking about his long-term future potentially on this offensive line. So that sets up here. looks like a second and one where they just kind of go no huddle, use the sneak, pick up the yardage. First and goal. little two-yard run here. The second and
1: two touchdown. Again, another pretty impressive block, in my opinion, right there by Josh yeah, Azudu. He gets a little really bit a, of help. And Thomas from Andrew Thomas. He gets a little bit of help from Andrew Thomas, but if you really watch, it's mostly Josh Azudu. It's against the 3 technique. This is on the goal line. The Giants are going to hand the football off on a stretch zone type of play to Saquon Barkley, and that 3 technique is going to try to cross the face of Josh Azudu, and Josh Azudu just takes him on a ride and slams him into the ground, like guides him to the ground. Now Andrew Thomas, you could see makes a little bit of contact, but to me that really looks like it's mostly Josh Azudu who
2: just does a lot of the heavy lifting, and Andrew Thomas might assist him a little bit. I agree with that, but I also think it's kind of just like subtly cool and looking and aesthetically pleasing how Thomas decides to operate, like execute his block. Like I like how he gets on the ass of Azudu there and kind of just creates an extra guy, like and is just, just more more of a more of something you have to get around as defender if you want to try to penetrate through and take away Barkley.
1: That's a touchdown for the New York Giants. And it was at this point where I've started to feel yes. pretty damn comfortable at the New York Giants. I was never stressed, but you know, 21 10, Houston isn't doing anything offensively up until that point. So it was a little bit more uh, reassurance because 14 to 10 man, anything can happen in
2: a 14 to 10 game hmm you're right, but 21 to 10, it felt good. The Giants certainly felt good. You could see the rest of the game, they got pretty conservative with their play calling. At, from this point on, they got very conservative with their play calling, both on offense and defense. They allowed a lot of yards on defense, knowing they just didn't need to allow the touchdown here. Um, but it starts this next drive, which is a three-and-out drive for the Giants, up 21-10. Um, they just tried to... Uh, they run the ball here for one yard. Here, with a little G lead action uh, sets G up. Lead, the G
1: lead. lead was on the previous one. I'm just running yep. through these. This, this is, is just three consecutive. This is three consecutive runs right here. From the New York Giants G lead. What I mean by G lead is the play side guard is going to be the lead blocker. You could see Mark Lewinsky. He's a lead blocker. They also pulled the center here because the front dictated that they could use Andrew Thomas to block down on the three technique. You use Lawrence Cager to block down on that six technique. and Now you have two lead blockers for Saquon Barkley. But again, man, Houston plays this really, really well. Ends up going for one yard to set up a seven yard rush by Saquon Barkley, which ends up setting up a third and two, which we'll go over here on the next play. But this is the seven yard rush by Saquon.
2: Looks like it could have been more, too, man. It really looks like it could have been more. But I thought it was a nice cutback by by Barkley on a really good yes. vision cut. Absolutely. The vision cuts there have been, man, the vision cuts for Barkley this year are coming way, way more often than I can ever remember, including that 2018 season where I felt like a lot of the big runs were just athleticism plays. Now now I feel like he's really coming to his own from a processing standpoint, especially in this offense. He, he really is meshing well with the run game that Mike Kafka and Dable have created for him. He really is. And look at that face
1: mask that's missed. Ah, uh, someone called the NFL. Call the NFL. Face mask of Saquon Park. They got bigger
2: face masks to worry about right now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Blew the Eagles game with that call. But um,
1: yes, the Dallas Goddard one. Now, this is a third and two, and the Giants get stopped, and they're forced to punt the football. It's just a three and out for the New York Giants here.
2: Yep. And that leads to the next drive for the Giants after Texans score, I believe. So this one is a seven-play, twenty-five yard drive that ends in a punt. Yeah, the, sc- the score is still twenty-one to ten at this point. To ten at this point. Sorry, yes. So they have a chance to put their to really put it out, uh, you know, to slam it down their throats here. And they actually start to drive off with a really good play. That's the that's the annoying part. They had a chance to actually put something on with this drive with this little seventeen yard double puller to get Barkley to the outside here. And
1: look at what the Giants do. They take Lawrence Cager, who is originally to the play side, the formation the Giants like to run out of. Now it's at a shotgun, which the Giants have had success earlier in the game, running out a shotgun in these pinpole concepts. So now they go back to it, only now they motion Lawrence Cager to the backside of the play right before the snap. What does that do? Remove Jalen Petrie from the play side. So now you're one less defender with the two pullers, and it's just Saquon Barkley to the field side running in space and the Giants do a I would say a solid job blocking. Andrew Thomas kind of eliminates two guys here as he pulls into space. You can't really see it as much, but you can see how he has that guy and then he just takes out 48 in pursuit. So great play by Andrew Thomas there. This ends up going for 17 yards.
2: And this was an example if the Giants had just a little bit more breathing room on that sideline, Saquon has a chance to cut that back and take it for even more because he just came a few steps from the boundary line from that cutback and turn, and potentially turning into like a, a classic long Saquon play, but still really good 17-yard gain to set up this first and 10 five-yard gain.
1: Where Saquon Barkley hits it to the weak side, takes it for five yards to set up a second and five. And Andrew Thomas gets beat by Jerry Hughes, the wily veteran here on this play. And Saquon Barkley ends up getting tackled for a five-yard loss here. You can see Giants try to use number 75, Josh Azudu, to pin number one with the center pulling that wipe technique. We talk about Andrew Thomas just kind of gives up his outside shoulder here. And I don't think he expected Saquon Barkley to still be there. And Jerry Hughes does a really good job kind of pressing through the outside shoulder to stress Andrew Thomas. And this ends up being a big tackle for a loss.
2: Yep. That sets up a third and 10 tough spot for the giants. um, And they're actually able to get out of it. Why? Well, this is something I brought up earlier. What did Jones do last time when he was faced with a little bit of a cover two look and zone? He tried to run. There wasn't much there this time before the snap. You can see it late from this. Uh, I think the all 22 didn't capture it all. But late just before the snap, he motions Wandell Robinson and confirms the man coverage. And once he confirms man coverage, it doesn't take Jones long to uh, to, to snap the football, look at the coverage and be like, you know what? screw this. My best option is to run against this man coverage look. And more times than not, Jones is going to be able to create potential first downs against man coverage looks. This was a lot of, a lot on him. He made a really nice cut and then kind of lowered his shoulder and, and and was willing to take a big hit for that last yard to get over the sticks. But against man coverage, I really like sometimes when, you know, you just decide to take it and run with the football.
1: Definitely. It was a, a good heads up play by daniel jones and you can also see how the giants block this up well the texans send some pressure here and watch josh is just throw christian kirksey out of the club right here christian kirksey tries to blitz something he's been doing all game josh is just shoves him right into john feliciano and they both just kind of toss christian kirksey on the deck everybody washes the, their assignments to their right. So Daniel Jones just goes right to his left and, and picks up this easy 11-yard
2: form. You love Azuto on this one, Nick? I love Thomas on this one. I love watching 78 on this one. 78, his rep is so fun here. He's just, look at him. He's just so in control.
1: He always is, man. He always is so in control. He So basically, Malik Collins releases right into Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas just gains access to his outside shoulder, shoves him inside. And at that same time, Christian Kirksey, or no, Christian Harris, I'm sorry, ends up going and slipping inside of Josh Azudu because Josh Azudu was with Kirksey at the time. And Andrew Thomas closes this narrow window where Harris could have
2: slipped through and eliminates both Malik Collins and Harris from this yes. play, which is just excellent, dude, two guys he takes out and eliminates. And I keep hearing the names, Lee Collins and, and Christian Kirksey, man. You know, a lot of people talk about how talent deficient the giants roster is. When you see a team like the Texans, you realize what talent deficient really looks like, right? The giants potentially have the best left tackle in football and potentially the best running back in football, the Texans, and on defense, they have some talent as well, obviously with the two big linemen, Dory Jackson list goes on, but the Texans, man, they are so talent deficient. Christian Kirksey still starting. Like, you don't need, you don't want Malik Collins and Christian Kirksey playing all these snaps. Like this is the true definition of a talent deficient team. The Texans,
1: they absolutely are. Now we see his own read from Daniel Jones hands the football at the map reader. You could see 45 again, just being really, really they different. Yep, they're not right Jones
2: down. beat. This is the set. You know, we're starting to see a trend here with these teams just not willing to let Daniel Jones beat them with his legs. And that's a bit of a problem, um, but, you know, we'll, we'll let it be a problem when it actually is a problem if the Giants lose games because of it. And then and, and you can make a case that they were unprepared at times for Seattle and their ability to take it away. And and it could have played at least some role in the giants losing that game, but there's obviously a ton of other factors in why they lost, they fumbled two punts. Right. So I don't know, but it's just something to keep an eye on because now teams are definitely like during the week, factoring this in like, all right, what do we have to stop? Saquon Barkley. And then we also have to stop Daniel Jones running.
1: Cager gets beat really bad on this second and nine rush ends up losing a yard to set up a third and 10 where the giants come out and split back. you can see, the attention paid to Wandale Robinson here. Giants like to use split back here with Tanner Hudson as the quote-unquote second running back. Just kind of help in pass protection. A lot of focus on Wandale Robinson. Anything crossing over the middle of the field. Daniel Jones ends up getting sacked on this play. But ends up being basically a cover one robber type of look. You can see how the robber from the boundary side drops down right over the top of Wandale Robinson. So it's just two on one. No one really gets open. The Giants just run deep curls again, which is what they ran the last time. I think they passed the football. They just ran a ton of deep curls. Jason Garrett shout out type of plays. And this ends up going for the sack, like I said
2: okay and so that was the last real drive for the giants they had one f- they i mean they had to kneel down the final drive but they had one here just a four play eight yard drive where they just go for the field goal here they didn't really try too much now i will say this on the one big run they had to Barkley. I would have loved, and I thought Dan Duggan made a really good comment that Barkley might have been in his head from last week, where he went out of or from two weeks or whatever it was, where he went out of bounds and almost cost him. But I would have loved Barkley to get vertical at the very end of that, plant his left leg, and just drive his shoulder into the defender and probably pick up the first down. But at the very least, stay in bounds. So instead of sliding there, just plant that left leg, drive into the defender. You might get the first down there.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, one way you can look at it. But we know that Saquon Barkley was really in his head
2: about. Going out of bounds. bounds. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first thing. I don't want to get out of bounds. Yeah, which is fine.
1: Yeah, I totally understand that. But this is just a play just to kick that field goal, go up by uh a reasonable amount. At this point, it would have been what? Going up by eleven before the Houston Texans kicked their field goal to make it a twenty four to sixteen game. Graham Gano kicks it, as you guys see. Giants end up earning this victory.
2: Yes, so now let's do some superlatives to wrap this bad boy up, Nick. Okay, give me your unheralded player from the offense on tape.
1: Unheralded player from the offense on tape, Darius Slayton. Very heralded, right? Huh. Very heralded. I'm going to go with Josh and Josh Azudu, he's a left guard that we have um chastised at times for mental mistakes. I don't think this was a perfect game from Azudu, but man, the flashes are really really bright and I can't wait for them to just be lit all the time. So, I'm
2: going to definitely go with Josh Azudu. Ah, you stole mine. Now I got to think on the on my feet. Well, there were others in the mix. I'll just go to those. Azudu would have been my pick, but we don't I don't like to to repeat unless it's like so obvious that we need to repeat just to give them the credit they deserve. I have two guys that also come to mind to me. Uh, One would be Mark Lewinsky, who again, I mentioned earlier was good in the run game in this game when he's just allowed to run block. He's a, he's a fine player for the giants. It's when he has to pass block a lot. That's when you start to worry about him uh, on this roster. And yet I still like the signing because it gives us depth. Um, so it's either him or Cager for me because Cager's touchdown was a pretty, really, a damn good individual play by him. And again, like I said, if you throw that to some lumbering tight end or the tight end makes a mistake on that and he gets tackled for no gain or a loss of one, now you got third and ten, third and goal to go from the ten. That's almost always resulting in a field goal. So that gave us an extra four points. So I'll give it all between those two. I'm going to give it to Cager.
1: I like that, yeah. I think Cager was on my short list of, of players. I think he definitely needs work as a blocker That's right now. That's the thing, yes. Yeah, like, there's so a huge... I was
2: surprised he played so many snaps, weren't you?
1: I was a little surprised, yeah. but I think his profile as a route runner and what he was doing as an H-back and how it was a yeah. distraction to the defense, and also I think the Giants were just trying out different things with Cager. I think he... Can block like a tight end can block. He could block like a Tanner Hudson can block. It's just you have Chris Myrick out there a lot of the times. Cager is a big upgrade over Chris Myrick, I'd say in terms of receiving. Oh, yeah. But Myrick is just a much better blocker than he is. And Bellinger, he is uh Bellinger might not be as athletic as Cager, but Bellinger all around is a much better
2: prospect. Or I shouldn't even say prospect, better player Play, than Cager yeah. is at this point, for sure. Without a doubt. Okay. Nick, why don't you give me your, well, let's just do best player on film. We can get to best throw, best route, and best play call after this and then finish up with the blocking raids. But why don't you give me your best player on film in this game?
1: So I think there are two guys that are really coming to my mind for the best player, and they're not the same two that we always go over. One of them is, and that's Saquon Barkley. And the second one is your guy that you've been talking up a lot And that's Darius Slayton. I think I am going to go with Darius Slayton who had several impact plays. Yeah, he only had three catches, but I don't know if the Giants win this football game. They probably do because it's the Houston Texans, but Darius Slayton was a huge impact player in this game. So I think it's well-deserved to go with
2: Darius Slayton here. Yeah, that's a good call. I'm fine with it. I would, for me, it's definitely Saquon Barkley over Slayton just because from my the reason why I'm giving it to him is because the Texans knew the Giants wanted to run the football. The Giants didn't hide it at all. There was no games. They lined up, like you said, at times with like eight offensive linemen, a lot of times just six offensive linemen, but even that is ridiculous. And he had to get a lot of tough yards in this game. There weren't a lot of holes for him. Even the blocking was good sometimes, but then there was still an extra defender because they were really accounting for on Barkley. The safeties played at no depth in this game from the Texans. They really, at this point, teams are just daring the Giants to even just attempt to throw downfield because the Giants don't really even do that at all. And so that makes it really difficult for Barkley. He has to get a lot of tough yards in a game like this. And he bracks up over 150 yards despite everything working against the run game from a schematic standpoint. And for that reason alone, he deserves, in my mind, the definite player of the game. Okay, let's get to the best play call of the game from Mike Kafka.
1: Best play call of the game for Mike Kafka was the second, third, and seven, just going right back to the well on the first, third, and seven against the same type of defense, that same type of formation, and now you don't throw to Wandale, you use Wandale as, a, as a, basically a distraction to occupy the middle hook defenders, hit the number ones post on the backside as A. Hodgins was wide open, so I'm going to go with that play call.
2: Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come off of it and pick anything else. That was my favorite play call of the game, and I'm sticking with it. So we we like to ch- we give some diversity here, but that we're gonna stick there because I thought it was the best one. How about the best throw in the game from Daniel Jones or your favorite throw?
1: Best throw in the game is probably that same play. I just liked a little bit of touch over the top. I think the Wondell Robinson pass is in consideration. I think the Darius Slayton throw is uh both of them could be in consideration it's not like daniel jones had too many completions in this game i think he only had 13 but if i had to choose one it's the hodgins second reception the one that we just covered
2: yep that's mine too again i love as i talked about when we broke it down i just loved the trajectory of the football layering it over that second level defender but also sure. a compact tight spiral with velocity and not too high so it gets that third level where they can pick the ball off so that's mine there as well how about the best route run in this game for any giants player best route run is interesting
1: i'm I, none are really jumping out to me, me. Exactly. I, I might be i might be forgetting one or two i'm sure there yep. are darius, darius slayton route that that was pretty solid but uh, i'm probably going to just go with the whip route by darius slayton just cuz it ended up working yep. but it wasn't even like it I'm wasn't even something yeah yeah, it wasn't even something uh, yeah. that like really stood out as an amazing type of route. It was just a good play overall because of the end result.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I don't <laughs> have much. I, I might go with that one, too. Uh, you know, last week we had a clearly defined one. It was the it was the out and up double move by Slayton. That should have been a touchdown that they just didn't throw. But this week there wasn't really any of that either. So I, I don't know. I guess I'd go with that whip route as well. How about um, let's wrap this thing up with your offensive line grade. So let's start with a pass blocking grade 1 through 10. Pass
1: blocking first, I am going to go with a 5.2, and that might even be kind of generous there. I think the, the blitz and the twists were what gave the protection a lot of different issues. We saw good individual efforts from Andrew Thomas, from Saquon Barkley in pass protection, but overall it wasn't all that great. And Daniel Jones still ends up getting hit, despite the fact they didn't even drop back 20 times.
2: Yeah, that's a fair grade. I, I'm going to go with 4.9, just a below average mark. I think, look, the, I thought the pass protection was good against Seattle, and I know you agree we went over it on the podcast last week, but this wasn't the same example that. Now, I think one note that you mentioned, which is definitely true, and I don't know how, how much consideration or weight I should put on it, is that they didn't do so bad when it was just like a four-man pass rush. and was a, no, not actually blitzing, but when – The Texans blitz, like you said, and they did do that a decent amount. That's when there was a a lot of trouble. So how much of that you can blame on the offensive line or just, you know, if you have six men coming against five-man protections or whatever, six-man protection with a back, it's not always easy for the offensive line. But I still think 4.9 at best. How about their run blocking grade, 1 through 10?
1: It was much better than the pass blocking. So let's go with a good 8.1.
2: Okay, nice. I'll go seven seven. I still think a lot of it was dirty yards created by Saquon Barkley. Some nice vision cuts, but there were definitely some really well blocked plays. So for yeah. that reason alone, it should below, but uh, belongs above the seven five range. So seven seven for me
1: works great, man. It was a it was a sloppy kind of gross type of game, but yeah, hey, you're gonna win those yeah. types of football games. And I think the Giants are going to, or at least I hope, and I do think too, the Giants have more up their sleeves, and it will the game plan will change. Every time the Giants have a different type of opponent. We might even see that as early as this week.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And I guess and guess what, Nick, if you ask Andrew Thomas, Josh Azudu, John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky and Terry Phillips, what their favorite game of the season so far was, it is going to be without a doubt this one. If you let an offensive line have a game like that where they do not have to get into pass sets almost ever and they're just moving forward moving forward moving forward all game that's an offensive lineman's dream so they are thrilled with Brian Dable and Kafka this week after doing that for a whole game and so you know what you made them happy you made Saquon Barkley happy you made Giants fans happy like I said we don't need the style points do we want them yeah sure fine everybody wants to we all wanted a 28 point win over the Texans it would have been fun we would have been like see the Giants are for real you better watch out So like there's nothing to really gain other than that fun of having the week where you're like, see, we won by 28. We can do that. Instead, you still get to win either way. And now, like I said, you lower the chances of the loss in this one. There really, How many, besides that one play where Jones made a really good decision to not throw the football, which might have been a pick six of Jalen Petrie, there wasn't a single other play where I felt like the Giants put the ball in harm's way.
1: No, there really wasn't. And the pick six, I mean, the ball didn't get put in the harm's way. Right, because- even that. Daniel Jones ended up, like, that was a really good play by Daniel Jones. Yes. Like, you could even say that that was his best throw, even though it was a simple throw to yeah, Tanner Hudson, right. who was wide open. But from the mental standpoint, if you're going to yes. factor that in, that, that, that literally was a game-changing type of decision in Daniel Jones' mind that happened in a split second because he was like, oh, I'm going to throw that football. No, 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 I'm not going to throw that football. Okay, that guy's open. Let me hit him. And that could have been disastrous, dude.
2: You're right. And that was a great, like you said, Excellent job processing there. All right, that's all we have for the today on the Big Blue Banter Offensive Film Podcast Breakdown. Keep it locked and loaded. Tomorrow will be the defensive breakdown. We, I think we're going to have two different uh, Lions previews this week, by the way. We have two different guys. One is a former NFL All-Pro. And the other is an excellent film analysis. Who knows a lot about the draft as well. So it's two differing uh, points of views: one more of a film guy, one more of a former player. So we'll have some previews. We're gonna have a defensive film podcast. We'll probably do a mailbag as well. So a lot of content still coming heading into this big Lions game uh, for the Giants. And if they win this game, the numbers start to really work in their favor. They're gonna have a really good chance of making the playoffs. So at least mathematically speaking, and who knows? Look, five thirty-eight was the same people who said. Uh, Clinton was Hillary Clinton was going to be destroy Donald Trump in the election. So who knows about these projected <laughs> models? So they could be anything could happen in this thing. If they can't predict the, the presidential election, maybe they can't predict the playoffs. But I don't care. I'll use it to my advantage anyway. And I'll be like, yes, we have a 93% chance to make the playoffs. All right, Nick. So let's let's look forward to that. Let's see what happens. Uh, lines are going to be a tougher match than the Texans. I don't think we're going to have a game like this where we're kind of just like cruising, watching this thing like, yeah, yeah, whatever. We're up 2110. Who cares? The Texans are driving. They're not going to score. The Lions can put up some points, and they've been playing better football as of late, by the way. They're on a two-game win streak after beating the Packers and the Bears. So big game coming up. Like I said, locked and loaded. Please, if you like this content and you're just watching for the first time, hit that like button down there. I'm going to start calling this out at the beginning of videos. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell button. That'll tell you when new videos are coming out. Help us grow this page. We're almost at 2K subscribers. We want to build that to 10K. We really need your help to build this thing, and that's how we can deliver more content. Because guess what? The most fun, like, we're delivering the film now. That's what we're known for. But you know what I've always been excited about, Nick? And and we could talk about this more off pod, but draft coverage, man. We could start oh, doing yeah. some fun things video-wise with the draft, and that's going to be unique type stuff. So... Just excited about all this moving forward. I'm really happy we're finally doing this YouTube thing. So thanks to everyone who has supported us and made this possible. Uh, We'll talk to you soon.